Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. So glad to be back with you. Um, This is an important discussion to have, uh, one on masculinity and what does it mean to be a man, Uh, especially in context of what's going on with the Tates and so many people turning to that and the fact that we have Tucker and Candace promoting the Tates as sort of this ideal masculinity because it fits their narrative, much like the MAGA crowd wants to overlook some of the things that Trump did, like supporting the vaccine and banning bump stocks and, you know, so many uh, complete 180 on the Federal Reserve policy. And they want to just pretend like that doesn't exist. The same thing is going on with these guys in order to push their narrative. And I think it's very telling um, watching that kind of unfold. Uh, So we're going to go through some of that tonight. But I want to start right, oh, let's see, right here with uh, this guy, Orion Taraban. Uh, He's got a Hacks channel on YouTube, and he's got this eight-minute video that he put together that really kind of lays out in his like educated opinion because I'm just an amateur. I I had some ideas about what I wanted to say and it's really, it started with courage for me. Um, And that revolves around having the courage to stand up for what you believe in. And he very much sort of lays this out and and enlightened my perspective on this topic. And so I want to start with him and really add to it. Now, some forms of masculinity, such as machismo masculinity, are fairly complex. This is because they are performances of an unwritten etiquette with evolving rules and standards. However, this form of masculinity, as much as fem femininity, is essentially performative. Neither is a natural suite of behaviors, and each is an expression of a particular time and place. These forms of masculinity and femininity can be learned and skillful execution of their respective suites of behaviors both express and confirm status in men and women. Many of the answers you'll hear on the internet to the question of how to be a man correspond with performative masculinity. Bingo. They are things that you can do to signify your man status with props, costumes, and postures. This is the These could be things like grow a beard, lift heavy stuff, Mm -hmm. start a business, go fishing, go hunting, learn to start a fire, learn to drive a manual transmission, learn to seduce women, learn to fight, learn to shoot a gun, learn to grill a ribeye steak, talk knowledgeably about sports, drink beer and appreciate whiskey, etc. Now, I don't have a problem with any of those things. A lot of them sound fun and could prove beneficial to the individual in question. However, I do think that all of those responses suffer from defining masculinity essentially as a suite of behaviors, as a performance. Now, I have a different take on this question. And I think that is a brilliant point because what we see coming from the Tates, what do they talk about? Get strong, make a lot of money, have all these status symbols, do these performances of what what it looks like maybe to be a man, but it doesn't start with the actual fundamental principles that define a man. And that's really the starting place here that he's about to point out. As you can see, 
I'm not a guy who's very performatively masculine. I work with words in a very feminized profession. I've never played football or scaled a fish or roped a calf. However, when it comes down to it, I'm extremely masculine. And this is because what it means to be a man is very simple and only marginally associated with what you do or what you look like. Are you ready? To be a man is very simple. You need only two things. You need a spine and you need some balls. (laughs) That's it. If you have a spine and you have some balls, then you're a man. And just so we're clear, I'm not talking literally. All humans have a spine and all males have balls. What I'm talking about is a spine and a pair figuratively. And that means you are one. You know who you are as a person. You've embarked on that journey of self-discovery to figure this stuff out. And you have purpose and intention in your life. You know the difference that you want to make for the world. You know the world you want to leave to your children. And you do things that are bigger than yourself to try and bring about uh, that better place based on your truth, what you've experienced, what you know to be true, what you rely upon, you know, yourself to determine your direction, your purpose in life, not what society says. You know how many people go out and they go to college and they drink and drink and they get their degree and then they get a corporate job and they work the corporate job their whole life and they take the boat out on the weekends and, you know, like that's, that's their life. They never think about doing anything bigger than themselves in a lot of ways. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about. You need a spine to stand up for what you believe to be true, which is in your heart of hearts, who you are. And this, of course, presupposes that you actually know what you believe to be true, and this ain't easy. Most of the things in your head were put there by other people, and a lot of that stuff is total garbage. For most people, it takes years and years of patient self-study to learn what they believe to be true. However, there are many older guys, men who I speak with on a regular basis, who don't know what their values are don't know what they believe to be true and consequently don't know who the fuck they are. (laughs) And how are you going to stand up for something if you don't know what that something is? Bingo. Bingo. And you know, that's also my biggest complaint about Trump. My biggest objection to him is he's a populist. He's not based on principles. He does things that are popular. So we get a gun stock ban or, He reverses on the Fed because the consequences would be unpopular. Of course, we're going to get to deal with them now. And of course, the Q crowd wants to say, oh, Sam, it's all part of the plan to rebuild the military so Biden can destroy it and inject everybody with the vaccine that Trump promoted that's going to disable a lot of them and take reduce their ability to respond. But it's all trust the plan, Sam. Trust the plan. (laughs) Okay. Uh... Anyway, all right, we're getting off topic here. Let's keep going. As soon as you stand up, that is, as soon as you make it known who you are and what you believe in, you will attract an antithetical element in opposition to that, the shadow. Bingo. People will disagree with you. People will disapprove of you. Some people will despise you. And the taller you stand, 
the more some people will threaten, attack, and seek to destroy you. This is part of the risk of standing up and having a spine. And you know what? I experienced that in my XRP days. There were people that would just relentlessly attack me for one thing or another. There was a guy who threatened to come to the come find me with a shotgun, uh, all sorts of just ridiculous things because I was speaking my mind, my truth about XRP. And I had done my homework. I knew what I was talking about. And a lot of these people that would come in and challenge me end up getting owned. So, uh, you know, when you stand up and speak your truth and it goes against the crowd like I did with coronavirus, I was talking about that being a bioweapon three years ago, folks. And look at what we know now. <sighs> but it's not popular. People were looking at me funny when I wasn't wearing the mask, which actually may have been a good idea with all the spike proteins being shed by these people that took these shots. I just kind of stayed out of society as much as I could. But it's not easy to take that road and to stand up against the um, conventional wisdom and tell everyone that they're wrong. It's not easy to, we're, we're going to talk about hex tonight as well and its implosion. And I'm going to play you some clips from what I said about that when it was very unpopular. There were a lot of people who bought hex were buying hex at 14 cents and now it's less than half a penny. And I laid it all out for him. Here's why it's going to fail. Here's the sleight of hand that he's doing. Here's the trick that he's going to play on you. It's not sustainable. It just can't sustain itself. And it's likely Richard pulling a big scam. Now, that's, he's somebody that's got a lot of money and influence and an army of hexagons that weren't too happy about that. Some of the early investors that weren't too happy about that. But did I care? No, I didn't care because my principle says if you see something like that happening, you should warn people and at least give them a chance to know the truth of what's happening. Give them the opportunity to save themselves. I can't go around and save everybody, but I did what I could to save them. And, you know, there was another talk about what it means to be a man. I was on a flight coming back into the U.S. and we're at customs waiting to, you know, there's a big line and a, and a big wide space and then you get to the customs windows and they had U.S. passports on one side and then over on the other side they had EU and then one, I think, a smaller subgroup for all other countries. Um, and this old lady that didn't speak English probably didn't read English either. She's probably at least 70s, probably 80s, a little five foot tall grandma that could, you know, hobbled around kind of and was very confused and scared and, you know, like all this kind of travel stuff. You could tell she was on edge. Uh, she, she got in the wrong line in the U.S. Uh, passport line and she gets up there and the agent says to her, you're in the wrong line, go over there. And she looks at him and she's clearly startled. She doesn't know what to do. And he like says this again with a hostile, rude attitude. It's like over there, go over to the other. You got in the wrong line. 
And he repeated that about the third time. I'm like, I've about seen enough. And then with the fourth comment, a guy that was actually in the line behind her told him, I forget exactly what he said, but basically stop it. You're being a jerk. <laughs> and then he walked out of line, you know, in front of customs where, oh, everybody's uptight and gently walked the woman over to the right line and helped her out. That's what it means. And then came back and got back in line. That's what it means to be a man, to stand up for the weak, for the people that uh, can't help themselves for some reason. It's not lifting weights or doing push-ups or banging hot chicks. So... Um, okay, let's keep going. And this, of course, is why we rightly respect people who stand up for what is right, despite the personal risk of doing so. What's strange... Of course, yeah, that guy getting back into the same line and then going through to that agent that he just told off, that he told him he was being a jerk in front of about 350 people. <laughs> he didn't care about the consequences because he knew it was the right thing to do. And that is what it means to be a man. That's a perfect, beautiful example of what it means to be a man. All right, let's keep going. And I'm, the space is, is just not working, guys. I'll try and try and get it open if any of y'all want to join in, but uh, I'll do that later. Okay. Is that the alternative to doing this, that is remaining spineless, isn't all that great either. You go through life never really knowing who you are and what you believe in. Now, it often happens that some people do know who they are and do know what they believe in. However, they're never able to find their place in the world because they weren't willing to stand up from their hiding places and say, this is me. This is because doing so requires the second ingredient, a pair of balls. Having a pair means that you're willing to suffer the risk associated with being somebody a specific individual with values and beliefs. It means putting your money where your mouth is. It means not giving a shit whether you agree with me or disagree with me. Not giving a shit whether you approve or disapprove of me. Not giving a shit if you love or hate me. It means if necessary... Not giving a shit if uh, you think the vaccine is life-saving and I'm going to tell you, no, don't take it. It's deadly. It's a bioweapon. It's going to kill millions of people. There's a crash coming. We need to prepare for it. There's going to be famine. We're going to talk about that tonight because a friend sent me a uh, book recommendation on one of these survival manuals, and it was absolutely incredible. I'm going to tell you about that and one that I've read previously. And we're going to walk through, and I'm going to teach you some things along these lines about uh, how an EMP attack might unfold and what the warning signs are, are to look for early on so that you can be ahead of the curve. Because that's something a man does is help people prepare for uh, problems that they might run into, foresee things and be better prepared to face the world, to face the risks that are in front of them. All right. Necessary putting your money your relationships, your career, your status, your reputation, and even your life on the line in the service of what you believe to be true. 
And that is exactly what the founding fathers did. They lost their homes. They lost their family members. They lost their wealth. They, I mean, I've read that out a couple different times on the show of all the things that were done to them to persecute them by the British, all the things that they sacrifice. And it's, I mean, you look at society today and how pacified people are. And it's because we've let this monstrosity known as government grow so far out of control that everyone is, is afraid to stand up. People are so pacified with the news, with the shit food that they shove down everyone's throat. I mean, look at how fat people are in America. If you have a spine with no balls, you spend your life hiding. Hiding from your friends, hiding from your women, and ultimately, hiding from yourself. And the Tates fall into the spineless category. Because if they had a spine, they would stand up and tell the truth about who they are and what they've done. That's not what they're doing. Instead, they're trying to deceive millions and millions of people with this lie that they've weaved together that is absolutely preposterous. These are not men. These are cowards who are trying to get away with their crimes. And we have... Candace and Tucker there. Oh, hey, good buddy. Have you seen the video where Tucker comes in the gate for the first time and he's just a giddy, giggly little schoolboy meeting Andrew Tate? That biased his objectiveness. And he promoted this guy, took his word for it, and didn't do his homework. And then Candace came in. Maybe she knew, maybe she didn't. I don't know. But she sold out her audience for clicks and views and promoted this guy. And we're going to go through in a little bit and you'll see just what kind of man him and his brother are. Let's recap. If you know who you are, what you believe to be true, and if you're willing to stand up and risk it all in the service of those beliefs, in the service of your mission, then... Congratulations, my friend. You are a man. You do not need to grow a beard. You do not need to hunt or care about football or drink everyone under the table or plow through half the women in town. You need a spine and some balls. If you have all the other things, but you don't have a spine and some balls, then you're not a man, in my opinion. Bingo. And if you have none of those other things, but you do have a spine and some balls, then you're a full-fledged man. Hopefully... That clears some things up. Bingo. I thought that was excellent. I think he did just a really fantastic job because, you know, this being a man concept applies to women too. Women can be men. And I don't mean in a trans way. (laughs) I mean, as an alpha female kind of way, because they have gone on this same kind of journey of figuring out who they are and exploring themselves and, they're comfortable in their own skin in a way. And this is a perfect example of one that I interact with on Twitter, Alex. Um, she's got this uh, sign up here. You see, it says, I didn't know they had bathrooms for alphas and liberals. And on the left, you've got one that says balls. And on the right, you've got the ladies room that says no balls. 
And that's exactly what she's, sorry, the cat's going crazy over there. Uh, that's exactly what she's pointing out is there, you know, it's, it's, it's that sort of come from of being comfortable in your own skin and knowing who you are that I guess this, um, this sense of self comes from uh, and just leads you to live a life that that is true. It, it is part of your authentic self. And I talk about higher self. Quakers believe in like an inner light that is in all things that is part of God that kind of connects us all. And that's the whole concept of we are all one. Um, uh, let me think where I was going with that. Sorry. Uh, okay. So when you get on this path of finding your true self, discovering who you are, and go out into the world and actually live that truth, um, let me see how I want to put this. You don't care about what other people think. You, you just, you're, you know who you are. And it doesn't matter. And these boys will come in and attack and, and try and, you know, whenever you stand up, people are going to come in and attack you. And that's something that I've just experienced over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, like alpha females, they're very much the same way as alpha males are in that they've gone on these journeys of self-exploration. They're, they know who they are. These things don't phase them. There's another one here, Reese. Uh, she has been just laying waste to these um, Tate fanboys all week with some of her comments. We're going to go through one of her threads. And I think she's very much an alpha female as well. Uh, the, the way that they attack her and she just swats them away. This is one example. Uh, now my wild passion for my husband took over me and I pleasure him after I made him breakfast in bed, which sounds pretty awesome i might have to look into this whole christian marriage thing because I, I can get him to wake me up with a blowjob but they never have breakfast ready he says he took she says he took amazing care of me after all three of our children were born uh, i was attracted to him because of his love and kindness to me and our children and they will come at her and say oh well, you're ugly and she'll post a picture she's a gorgeous woman they'll say well you can't get a man so then she'll post a picture of her and her husband and their two kids and she has this beautiful family and it's and then they just kind of like run out of things because she's already defeated all of their talking points they attack her personally because that's all they've got because they're uh i guess in, i think a lot of people are intimidated by people that can stand up and speak their truth and she's very comfortable in her skin because she she knows what she values and she's living the life of her dreams according to what she believes in and it's i think a perfect example of what it means to be on this path to be a man or an alpha female in her case okay uh-oh oh i'm hitting the wrong buttons because i'm out of practice here hold on bear with me one second what did I do? There we go. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the Tates because I've been digging into that for quite a, quite a long time. Right. And I've 
like really gone pretty deep as far as all of the accusations and so forth. And Tucker doubled down just like Candace, and he ran this interview with uh, Andrew's brother, Tristan. And uh, it's just astounding. It's like the Wizard of Oz scene where the dog pulls the curtain back and they see the man behind the curtain pulling the levers, talking into the microphone. And these guys want to pretend like we don't know that they're full of shit and like there's no evidence as they claim. And we're like standing there saying, no, we, we see you you're right there pulling the levers Just stop it come out and talk to us and they just want to keep pulling the levers and pretending like we're all buying their bullshit and they're going to get away with this because they can reframe reality to suit them so uh here's i I just i want to show you the level of bullshit that these these guys are telling here hopefully this plays Oh, no. And that cat is going to drive me crazy. Bear with me one second here. Oh, why can't I get this? So I didn't realize that there are apparently women involved in your human trafficking gang. Yeah, in this organized criminal gang. So what you have to understand is this. They didn't want the case file. The evidence to be that I manipulated people by being nice to them to make TikTok videos. That's not what they wanted. They put me all over the news. They searched every house I own in the country with armed men. They were looking for victims of something. Yes. They were looking for scorned ex-girlfriends. Any woman to come forward and say that she was hurt by me. They were looking for real evidence. The fact that the case file is so laughable now is just because real evidence. We're both at our laptop. So oh, I didn't realize so that there are apparently women involved. Essentially, their crime was inviting one of the alleged victims. The fact that the case file is so laughable now is just because real evidence doesn't exist. So when you have no real evidence, you go for junk evidence. You try to make your case on human trafficking based on, well, they were nice to these girls on TikTok. And these are girls who would say to me, hey, share my post on Instagram. I'll be like, yeah, no problem. Oh, that's so, all, huh? He tags you know, some I'm girls on Instagram. I don't know a that's single what person this is all on my about. Instagram from my cameraman to my personal trainer who didn't ask me to blow them up on Instagram. But that is now the link they have between me and these people saying that they're human trafficked, even though these people, you know, defend me. But there are two women involved. Yes, my personal assistant and her friend got thrown in prison with me. Essentially, their crime was inviting one of the alleged victims to a birthday party that I wasn't even at <laughs> that happened in this house. Oh, That's this how is how crazy. Long were these two women in prison? How is this even possible? Who is he talking about? Well... Uh, for that, we're going to go over to Reese's thread here it says, I'm going to start a list of Andrew Tate's friends, war room members. And let me bring that up for you guys. Apologies. Uh, war room members and family members that have been arrested for trafficking or other illegal activities. Let's start with the list. Uh, let's start the list with Tristan Tate. Tristan Tate is Andrew Tate's brother. And there they are, the two of them in handcuffs. Now, there's his actual charging documents. Now, the Tates have come out and they've said, oh, uh, guys, all the court documents are in Romanian. So if you're seeing English court documents, they're fake. No, what actually happened, murdered by crayons, connected with a team in uh, Romania who has actually 
uh, gone to the court, gotten copies of the documents from the court, and then they've translated them into English. And that's what this is. He's been releasing these out and getting them out into the public with their help. So we know the charges. We're going to see those, but we'll let him, you know, uh, tie his own noose first. But I want to go down here. We're going to skip around a little bit to this picture. So this is Luna Radu and Georgina Naghel, I think. Um, so Georgina is Tate's bottom bitch. Now, when the police came and raided the first time, he told them she was the maid. Apparently now she's Tristan. One of them is Tristan's personal assistant and has never met Tate is, is what they'd like us to believe. And this is what Tate is recorded on conversation saying, she's my bottom bitch. And she's, you can see right there, she's in handcuffs. They're both in handcuffs because they all got arrested. Okay. And we're going to get into why and how that went down because that's known as well. What triggered the raid and their arrest and the charges. Guess what? Spoiler alert. It's not the matrix, bro. <laughs> Sorry, Tate fanboys. Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, Reese says, or, or Reese says, uh, these two women have been charged with being part of Tate's human trafficking gang. So there are conversations, war room recorded conversations where Tate is talking to now, what is the war room? Well, he has his PhD program, pimp and hose degree, where he teaches you how to traffic women and, uh, ex not extort, but, uh, extract money from them, use them to enrich yourself. And uh, in the process, defrauding uh, users. <laughs> we'll get into that. Okay. So she would be, she, he, he describes how he segmented the, the criminal enterprise, essentially, because that's what it is, to where Georgina was in charge of running the webcam business. And he was bringing over in this one example, this girl that came from the U.S. I believe she's the one that triggered this whole thing by calling the U.S. Embassy, as we'll get to. Um, she was, you know, like Christian raised and very conservative and very clear on, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to take my clothes off. I'm not going to do cam not going to do any of those things. I want you as a husband. And he brings her over to Romania, puts her in his house, lets her run out of money and starts trying to manipulate and control her. And then he makes up a lie that she worked at a sex club and, he, and he's, he's bragging about this to the war room buddies. So you've got the PhD program. Sorry, I'm just going all over the place. Um, and then if you want to pay another six grand, then you get into the war room, which is the next level where he talks about how he handles, manipulates these women that have been trafficked and uh, coerces them into doing camming and then hires what he calls his absolute hustlers to run the keyboards to defraud their victims out of their life savings, out of give, convince them to get a second mortgage on their home to pay the girl because they think they're going to get to meet her. And it's not even the girl they're talking to. It's a guy behind the screen manipulating them. That's who he is. That's how they got rich. Okay. 
And he talks about with this girl that was very resistant and very hesitant. Uh, he puts her in this situation and kind of applies the screws with his mental and verbal abuse. And then kind of pawns her off on, well, that's Georgina's thing. You can go talk to her. So it's not coming from him, even though he's the one getting the money and she's working for him. She's part of this operation. She's part of the criminal enterprise. At the same time, there's an interview where he says he's been dating her for six years. And I forget when that interview was, was given, but people have done the math on it. And it means he was dating her, having sex with her at 14. And the whole thing about, uh, oh, one of these girls is, is Romanian. He's talking about, I think it's Georgina, that she's an American citizen but was born uh, in Romania and lived there. The other one came from the States. Um, okay. So on the one hand, she's a perpetrator. On the other hand, she's also a, a victim herself of being sef- sex trafficked and manipulated and used by the Tate brothers to run their criminal enterprise where they are going over pretending like they've Tate's fallen in love with them and oh come come live with me and then pushes them into becoming a cam model and pays them you know a few thousand a week but the, the whole thing with the guys on the keyboard that's absolutely fraud <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's to sit there we've got Tristan sitting there talking about oh this is a, he's bragging about hundreds of millions of dollars a week that they're getting from their cam models. And they've got the nerve because they are spineless cowards to stand up on Tucker and and in front of Candace and talk about, Oh, they're coming after us for a few pennies from Instagram videos. When the reality is they promoted OnlyFans on Instagram that was why they were on Instagram was to promote OnlyFans, where they drain these guys of their wallets by deceiving them and manipulating them and lying to them and psychologically uh, manipulating, torturing them. He goes through some of the different tactics, the lies and deceptions that they would use, like the girl you know, trying to get a visa and send me 10 grand because I got to go here and get this and then go there and I need hotel and food. And so they send it and then she gets sick and pretends to be sick. And then, and then the guy's mad and they cut him off for a few months. And then he's like, hundred percent, they come back. And then they, we do it all over again, take another 30 grand from or whatever it is. He's bragging about this. He's not explaining this uh, to Candace because he's not a man. He doesn't have a spine. He's a coward who doesn't stand behind his actions, who's trying to get away with what he's done, which is absolutely horrific. He is a shit person. And I think I nailed it two weeks ago when I said he is a master manipulator. He is trying to literally manipulate the whole world into his little worldview, which is absolute nonsense garbage the same 92 days the same 92 days 
You know, the worst part- Have they been charged? Uh, yeah, along with us. They're part of the organized criminal gang, which is hilarious because Luana, one of the girls, has never, ever, in the whole six years I've known her, had a conversation with Andrew once. They don't know- You believe that? Andrew didn't even know her name. And she's apparently a part of this organized criminal gang. Um, the interesting part is, do you remember Christopher Hitchens when he was alive? I knew him well. Oh, well, I've never met the guy, but I read an article he did for Vanity Fair about 11 or 12 years ago, where he volunteered to be waterboarded to test the effectiveness of torture on foreign prisoners. And the conclusion he came to was, in the article, and I remembered it vividly when I was in jail, if you don't have the answer to their questions and you are being tortured, you can psychologically break. You have to be torturing people who do know the answers. Otherwise, this is an ineffective mode of uh, operating. And essentially, the way I look at the way these two women were treated was they were locked in prison because they know us. They're an attack vector on us. One is my personal assistant, so she knows everything I do. She does airport pickups, pays my electricity bills. And every week or so, they had the keys of freedom dangled in front of them. Are you ready to tell us about the Tate's criminal activities now? And they said no, and they stayed in prison. <laughs> the next week, you ready to tell us about the criminal activities that the Tate brothers did? And, and in actuality, they've been charged because they're accomplices, and they're offering them a deal. Hey, do you want to do you want to tell on the Tates? Explain what they did, and we'll give you immunity or reduce charges. That's what the police do. And you know what? There's a lot of uh, trafficking that goes on in Romania and the, the DICOT, I think it is that does the traffic. It's the unit that investigates child trafficking and human trafficking. They're very good at what they've done, what they do. And they've caught other people as you're going to see who are also connected to the Tates, but we're not going to talk about that. Candace isn't going to bring up that remember when she she didn't even talk about the pet the convicted pedophile that's one of the people that was supposedly falsely accused he raped a kid and she called she wouldn't even identify his name so that people wouldn't look him up and realize what a bullshit story was being shoved down their throat you think she didn't know what she was doing Who are these people? What are they willing to do for fame, for a million views? I think we're, we're finding out, folks. The problem is they can't have told the police about criminal activities that I take part in because those criminal activities don't Didn't exist. Happen. <laughs> so I see it as a method of psychological torture. I'm not mad I was sent to jail. Any notions of being angry at injustice and stuff. Now, see how he's sitting really straight up and he's very got the well-pressed suit and very sharp and clean and he's got the very well-trimmed beard. He's portraying. This is, this is his portrayal of masculinity. He's acting. He's putting on an act for us. And we're going to see it go into high gear here in a minute that I truly have in my soul is for those two girls who went to jail with me because they didn't deserve it. <laughs> He's I, such I a mean, humanitarian. I've probably done something in my life that made me deserve something. You know, these, these are two wonderful people, wonderful uh -huh. people. And they were sent to prison with me. One, one for having the crime of being my personal assistant and one for the crime of knowing me and showing up at parties where these alleged victims who say they weren't victims were at. 
And they're charged in this organized criminal But game. to be clear, none of the charges pertain to sex. No. Rape. No. Selling anyone. No. Slavery, moving people across international borders to pimp them out. No. But that's certainly what they would have wanted. Actually, you know what? Reese has the charges for Tristan Tate. They are, let me see, right here. Why don't we take a look, folks? <sighs> okay. Um, so this is the group. This is from the group that took the official court documents in Romanian, translated them to English so that we could properly report on this story from Dicot's side and see through the lies that the Tates are, are weaving. Okay. And this is from, uh, June 15th. Now this is that first arrest. We saw the picture earlier of them going out in handcuffs and Tate's doing the Illuminati sign. (laughs) And, uh, This is when they were indicted and charged, okay? Together with defendant Tristan Tate, they formed an organized criminal group, and this is a subset that I'm reading from here, criminal group with the purpose of committing primarily the crime of human trafficking through uh, actions of recruiting victims carried out by the defendants Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate. That was one of the things Tucker asked about you're not being charged with moving people across borders or anything, are you? Well, uh, I think that's human trafficking, isn't it? <laughs> Regarding the defendant Tristan Tate, it has been established that uh, he formed a an organization, organized criminal group on the territory of Romania with the purpose of committing primarily the crime of human trafficking through actions of recruiting victims carried out by the defendants Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate through actions of sheltering and transporting the victims. Remember, they'd fly them out, put them in their house or in one of their houses that they would have these cam girls living in. And then Tate would go around and fuck them all because you know, he has to do that to keep them under control. And of course, what is he doing as well? He's... He's using BDSM, and, and we'll, we might get into this, I don't know, but he's using BDSM to uh, physically abuse these women and excuse it as uh, kinky sex. And it, it, it's not at all that. He is absolutely uh, knows what he's doing. He's manipulating these women. He's psychologically traumatizing them, and he is beating them into submission. The guy is a sociopath. Okay, uh, let's see. With the aim of obtaining significant sums of money by forcing the victims to engage in pornographic activities, only fans, uh, for the production and distribution of pornographic materials using the website onlyfans.com. Oh, this is a few pennies from Instagram. Bullshit. He's lying lying through his teeth and Candace and Tucker, they just don't care. They just don't care enough to look. They just don't care enough to get it right because their message about masculinity, which is really just performative masculinity, not real masculinity, not what it takes to actually be a man to stand up, to know who you are and stand up for what you believe in but to how to act like a man. That's what they teach people. Okay. Uh, 
the actions of defendant Tristan Tate, which include in a period of 2021 to 2022. Now, remember how they said, oh, we haven't done this for, for five years. We got out of the webcam business five years ago. This is old news. We'll sleep it under the rug, just like BitBoy Crypto says about his past scams. Of course, Richard Hart Wynn, find out he's got multiple passports and different names that he's registered businesses under, and this isn't his first shady business deal. Wow, that's weird. Um, okay, Tristan Tate deceived the victim. So this is two years ago, another one of their lies that they haven't been doing this since. Tristan Tate deceived the victim by falsely uh, inducing her about the intention to establish a marriage uh, cohabitation relationship and the uh, existence of false feelings, right? He's manipulating her. Uh, and remember the whole thing about he was bragging in the war room where he's, he accused this girl of being a sex worker in her old town. Oh, people told me that. And he knows it's a lie, but he wanted to put her on the defensive so that he could be angry and then have a reason to physically assault her. And really it's just beating her into submission and using BDSM and, and so forth as a cover. He is a disgusting human being. Uh, okay. By entering psychological coercion resulting from actions of intimidation, surveillance, and control, they provided shelter for the victim, transported her from the USA to Romania with the aim of sexually exploiting her by forcing her to engage in pornographic activities for the production and distribution of pornographic materials using the website OnlyFans.com. Okay, so two years ago this was happening. In the period uh, 2021 to 2021, and it's got some things blanked out there, but in 2021, Tristan Tate discovered deceived the victim by falsely inducing her about the intention to establish a marriage cohabitation. So he's doing the lover boy thing too, just like his, his big brother. Right. And, uh, the existence of false feelings, exerting physical coercion, the same thing as above with the aim of sexually exploiting her for only fans. So it's just, it's, he's, it's a pattern. It's happening over and over again. And think of what he just told Tucker. This is about a few pennies from TikTok. I tagged some people on Instagram. Otherwise, I don't even know them when this is reality. Uh, 2021, through the witness, uh, the defendant, Tristan Tate, deceived the victim by falsely inducing her about conditions under which she would engage in activities and the existence of false feelings. Uh, uh, by exerting physical violence and psychological coercion resulting from actions of intimidation, surveillance control and invoking uh, fictitious debts. Well, you flew over here. You owe us money for the flight. And remember there's the tweet from uh, Andrew talking about she's broke. She's hungry. She can't go anywhere, man. I almost sound evil. <laughs> it's like you are evil motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, with, uh, all right, these actions fulfill the uh, con constitutive elements of the crime of human trafficking committed in continuous form. That means on an ongoing basis. Okay, it wasn't a one-time thing. The action of the defendant, Tristan Tate, who uh, on 2021 uh, instigated the defend defendant, Georgina Nagel, uh, as well as defendant Luana, to commit acts of physical violence against the victim. So they had the girls going in and beating up this other girl that was trying to escape, as you're, I'm going to tell you about here in a minute. 
because that's what triggered all this actually is one of the girls was trying to escape the compound talk to her parents we've got the tech the lawyers have the text messages between the mom the parents and the daughter who was inside the Tate compound which is a converted warehouse in a warehouse district on the shitty part side of town <laughs> i almost sound evil God. and these are the people that are held up as role models for what it is to be a man do you see how sick and broken our society has become how perverted and lost we really are The action of the defendant, Tristan Tate, uh, Georgina and Luana, physical violence for the victim. Okay, the actions fulfill the constitutive elements for uh, instigating assault or other acts of violence. So he is instigating violence. You know, he's ordering people roughed up, basically. Uh, so uh, under house arrest, he's they're, they're pointing out to the judge for reasons to keep him under house arrest. He's form, forming an organized criminal group. He's a human trafficking and investigation to assault under other acts of violence because he got the girls to go in and beat up this girl and scare her right into compliance and submission. Okay, so that there's, there's what he's actually charged with. Now let's go back to his bullshit, shall we? It's not the fact that, the, as I said, the evidence is junk because they now have to put a case together. But I'm confused as to how what you're being accused of constitutes human trafficking. Well, it's a very loose, um, it's a very loose law. It's a very, uh, the, I mean. But the term doesn't seem to have a real definition. No, no, it doesn't. Especially when you understand that the Romanian alleged victims who say they're not victims have lived in this country. Are you ready for some performative masculinity? Because he's about to jam it down our throats on overdrive with the cigarette smoking, right? Which is very rebellious act. Probably the first one to ever smoke on Tucker Carlson's show. Sit there and light five cigarettes, in fact, inside of an hour here. A 40, I think it was a 45-minute interview. And it's, it's very deliberative. It's very flashy. It's like he's pretending to be James Bond because he's pretending to be a man. He's doing performative acts of masculinity because he lacks true masculinity, because he's a coward who hides behind lies to abuse women to enrich himself and defraud victims. These people are scum. ...for 10 to 15 years before I ever showed up here. So I'm not sure how the trafficking took place. So that, I believe that's Georgina. That was one, okay. Now these are the bottom bitches, right? But... What also happened was these other two girls, the ones that, you know, they claimed, oh, they wanted money for a purse. And we said no. And then they left. And here's the camera footage. But we've got the text messages where she's messaging her parents and talking about how do we escape? And you know what actually happened? Her parents called the U.S. Embassy. The U.S. Embassy got a hold of the Romanian government and they organized a raid on the house. That's how this went down. One of the victims called for help, was trying to figure out. And the other girl, the whole purse thing, that was a ruse for them to get out of the house and make a break for the airport. And the other girl wanted to escape with her. I believe that was in the text messages between 
the, one of these victims and her parents back in the States. And here he is spinning this web of bullshit, misdirection and lies. And Tucker Carlson is sitting there eating it all up. It is astoundingly sad to sit here and watch. But in a very loose way, they had to prove I was doing something with women by coercing them from my financial benefit, which is how we ended up with the TikTok story. Because the real evidence they wanted, maybe the prosecutors, maybe the people who attacked me genuinely thought I was a pimp. Maybe they did when they started this. And they assumed that the perp walk and putting me in handcuffs and walking me in front of the cameras would have women coming forward saying they were harmed. Maybe they were looking for real evidence. I don't believe if they knew that they were going to end up with this TikTok story, they would have. <laughs> TikTok story. It doesn't even mention TikTok in the charging documents. It talks about OnlyFans, folks. It's, all, it's just all complete and utter bullshit, okay? And he's sitting there perfectly straight in his chair, nice and crisp and clean, very deliberate with his movements, with his voice, with his tone, with his pace. He's performing masculinity because he lacks it within. Africa too. Because I don't even have any allegations of misogyny against me. I've never made a YouTube video and joked about men being buried. He's right. such a great guy. I've never done any of these things. Folks, but such I had a to great go guy. to jail along with him. So uh, attacking me was a way of attacking him. And attacking my personal assistant and her friend, I think, was a way of hoping you were going to turn these women into prosecution witnesses, essentially, to lie and say that we did crimes. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's about Andrew and his message. That's all it's about. And it's the gender role stuff, you think? See the cigarette smoking? The gender role stuff. Telling men to be men, uh, it's just dangerous for, the, for what the, Andrew calls the matrix or the deep state is trying to purport on men today. It's very interesting to think that the first man ever banned from discussion in UK public schools is Andrew Tate. Adolf Hitler, you're allowed to talk about him during World War II and after World War II. The leader of Argentina during the Falklands War, Osama bin Laden after 9-11. Terrorists, school shooters. And this is the part Tucker just loves to eat up. It's like, yeah, they censored him because what he's saying is so dangerous to, to their ideology. And he just loves to eat this up because he doesn't understand what's happening here. Man, it's like, what people pay attention to, it's just stunning to me, it's stunning. The 7-7 bombers who attacked the subway in London. You were allowed to discuss all these people in school. The first man ever to be banned is a mixed race, a half black kid from the projects who came up out Bring of the racism and became a multimillionaire. And poverty. Maybe they just want the working class to stay the working yeah, class. Maybe they, they, they don't want it. people like him opening his mouth. Maybe it's because he joked that men are better drivers than women and he's a misogynist. I don't think it's the third option. I think it's either option one or option two. I think he's dangerous to what people want to purport on the society it's it's i mean it's definitely not because he brought like 70 plus women over and uh tricked them and had sex with them and lied to them and manipulated them into uh being exploited by him so that he could scam others 
that's definitely not why they're going after him. It's because he's poor, half black, uh, and saying things they don't like. And Tucker bought that shit. Wow. It, it's, it's as simple as that. It's certainly not because I've human trafficked anyone. That's not why I was in jail. <laughs> well, that's what the, that can't be. Why the government says that had never happened. What was it like being in jail with your brother? Romanian jail is no picnic. But, frankly, once they moved me into a room with Andrew, frankly, I quite enjoyed, enjoyed jail. You know, I think that in, when I got out, I spoke to a girl I knew, and she goes, you know, in, in three years, you'll laugh about this. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I was laughing in jail, and I'm laughing right now. They're, they might send me back for five years for TikTok theft. But, TikTok, <laughs> you know, theft. TikTok theft, that's what I'm officially accused of. But, but frankly, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's only fans. It's not TikTok. I mean, wow. Of course, we don't actually have to wonder what they did, what it was like for these these two poor uh, victims here in the Romanian jail for 93 days because I guess today they did a 12-hour reenactment. <laughs> I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny either. What can I improve or do? That sounds like you're in bad shape. One. Confidence natural multicam, you know, right? And, and there's a toilet there, but they don't they go to the regular bathroom. So not not the toilet in the cell uh that they would have had to use, but you know, it's so it's just like it was for them in jail. He exudes a man who knows that he has the things that people look for, whether it be when looking for a woman to settle down with, have a family with, whether or not it it's in business, if you have the mindset and the competence and the knowledge to go into a business meeting and sit down, you know that you have what it takes. Uh, the way you describe yourself, oh, I'm not, I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny either. You don't want to be either of those things. What you want to be is is muscular and fit and uh, healthy, and you will naturally exude the confidence which your heart. You want to portray a man, so performative masculinity. That's what they teach. Not actually how to be a man. That's be what I Sam teach. Smith. You could be a disgusting, pudgy, pasty, horrible-looking creature, and be confident as hell because, as Andrew was talking about earlier. During this live today, no one's expected to have any standards. But although society can get rid of standards for people, uh, people don't get rid of standards for people. We can give everyone participation trophies and say it's all fine. But a woman looking for a man to protect her, to provide for her, to start a family with her, to 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 let her, to let this man into her bed, to to give this man sexual access to her, these women will still have standards. So you can listen to the Matrix and be not skinny and not fat and I don't know how I can get more confidence or you can do all the hard work it takes to become the kind of man who will naturally be confident because you have all the tools. So get to work, forget women for a year, um, see where you are in 12 months and hopefully the confidence should come naturally to you, my friend. Yeah. Confidence is a side effect to competence. If you get good at things, you'll naturally be confident. The reason you're not confident is because you have nothing to be confident in. I'm not fat, but I'm not skinny either. I don't like the sound of that. No, you're right. out of shape. You're out of shape. You're out of shape. You should be in fantastic physical condition. You should be as smart as possible. You should be working as hard as possible. You look like a man. Do all the things. Grow a beard. You build. you build your capability, and it comes as a side effect. Hello, Andrew. Oh, these guys are so full of themselves. 12 hours of that today, and 30,000 fanboys watched it 
and they are complete idiots. Like they believe they're like NPCs that go back to Reese and repeat their talking points to her and she decimates them with reality and then they attack her. Uh, okay, I think there's a couple more here. We're both at our laptops a lot, we're on our phones a lot, we're on our devices a lot. I said to Andrew after the first month, I said, you know, we may have had more meaningful conversations this month than we would have potentially had this year if we hadn't been sent to jail. So I feel like our relationship is stronger than before. And there's no universe where I can't make it. And of course, they are now like uh, really pushing memberships and that sort of thing and teaching you how to be a good man through their performative masculinity because they're ignorant. I mean, they're not men, so they couldn't possibly teach being a man to real men because they're not that themselves. But that's what they're really like driving towards now because I think they know if somehow they're able to survive this and not end up in prison, which they're definitely, that's definitely what's going to happen to them, I think, uh, th that that's going to be their only play to try and stay relevant and keep the money flowing because I guarantee you they're burning through it. Can't you laugh? And you have all the time in the world to play your stupid jokes. So every time someone didn't want to smoke a cigarette, you insult him, you call him names, that's what guys do. Andrew would go out to visit the doctor or the lawyer, etc. I don't know if he's going to be back in 10 minutes or in an hour. And I'd open a pack of cigarettes and stand by the door like this. So the first thing he does when he opens the door is me forcing him to smoke a cigarette. I had all the time in the world to play jokes on him. So I didn't, I still don't see it as such a negative thing. And people will call me crazy. But I, it was me and my brother drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, talking. You know, we have an innumerable amount of stories and experiences and ideas and he knows things i don't i know remember the uh the girl that came out and said look i'm friends with tristan with uh the tates and they were very kind to me and good to me and uh he's a good guy and he wouldn't do the things that he's accused of well the attorneys they have andrew on the phone with georgina i believe that was georgina that made that video uh on the phone saying get girls to say these things to come out and make these videos. They have him recorded instructing others to do that on his behalf so that he could use it as a mindless talking point. Like he did. It's not very hard to see through this bullshit folks. The things he doesn't, I'm a Christian. He's a Muslim. We have ideas that conflict and we debate because we're smart. And I really think it brought us closer together. What was so, it like to be off your phone for nine months or 90 days? 92 days. It was, um, you get used to it very quickly, but you have nothing to do with your hands. That's the problem. My cigarette's gone out. Here's the performance. Oh, I started smoking. <laughs> well, everything became entertainment. <laughs> I don't like chocolate. Exaggerated. I don't like sugar. Andrew would get a chocolate bar from somewhere. You want half? Yeah, fine. Because that was fun. Um, new sensations became entertainment. We had a bottle of mouthwash. We didn't use it every time. Every four days, I'd use some mouthwash. It would kind of make me smile because it would remind me of life outside of prison. So in this world of constant bombardment and constant stimulation, you find an appreciation for the things in life that you overlooked before. A handshake, a hug, a joke. And I appreciated those things. That's actually, I think, very true. Um, I was in jail for civil disobedience for 62 days, I think. And... Um, there was one time late in the game, like after a couple weeks, 
where they took me back to the police station, which meant I got to leave the jail in the car. And the guard that, that drove me over there, he took the trip through town rather than just the highway on the way back. And it was after being in that isolated environment, it was so amazing to see the trees and the outside world, you know, moving on, doing their thing, doing its thing. And you don't realize how much you miss it and how isolated it is in there. Uh, but I also, you know, was meditating every day and, uh, making a difference. I ended up being like a counselor to a lot of the guards talking or to the, the, some of the other prisoners talking to them about their girl problem, girlfriend problems or life problems or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty profound experience as absolutely can be because you are the source for how you interpret the world, your situation, your perspective, you get to choose your own perspective, your come from, how you want to view challenges, obstacles, problems, whatever you want to think of them as. And there are effective ways to hold opinions about things and there are ineffective ways. And the people that aren't conscious about this, that haven't thought about it and, uh, you know, discovered who they are and explored themselves, they're the ones who don't, aren't conscious of their thoughts and what they're thinking. So, all right, we'll get into that more. Uh, let's keep going here. Much more now that I've come out of jail than I ever did before. What an interesting take on it. What, <laughs> did you meet anyone interesting in there? <sighs> interesting. See that? It's like he's trying Define to be James Bond. Um, I met people, to be fair to the Romanian justice system, it works the way it does because Romania hasn't got much money. If you arrest <laughs> some guy because you suspect he's been breaking into cars, for example, and you, you know, can't hold him without evidence and you let him go, you'll never find him again. He'll go back to his village and you'll never see the guy again. So there was one kid who was in jail for looking in car windows, essentially. We're gonna investigate this guy month after month after month. Couldn't afford, afford lawyers, was just sitting around in jail. So people had very interesting stories. I met heroin dealers, real human traffickers. I mean, like actual human traffickers. I'd go to court and the policeman who would escort me would say, oh, they definitely got to let you out. And I say, why? It's because I see real human trafficking cases. They've got basements and dungeons with urine-stained mattresses and handcuffs and messages saying, better get back out on the streets. That's real human trafficking. They're accusing you because you told a girl to post a TikTok video at a certain time because it's better interaction. That's their evidence against you. You're definitely getting out. And then I didn't get out. I bet the guards said exactly that. Yeah. I bet that's exactly what they said to him. And that's not a lie or a misrepresentation at all because everyone supports them. Because they're completely innocent of all of this stuff. <laughs> wow. Wow. The guards were very good people. Really? Mm. I feel like the guards knew. They know what a criminal is and what a criminal isn't. I'm not going to say they knew my case. I'm not going to say they knew I was innocent. But they know what human traffickers, rapists, sexual criminals actually look like. Because they deal with them day to day. So I couldn't harbor any hate towards them. Who do you them. think did it to you? Mm. Who was it? I any don't want to say anything that's going to get me into trouble on yeah. this one. But you have a good but sense of it. I, let's just say this. Let's just say we don't need to just say because we know. It was the girl that you were holding prisoner in your house that you lied to to manipulate and control that you physically and verbally abused under the cover of of kinky sex 
that you used your bottom bitches, just like Ghislaine Maxwell, just like Epstein had Ghislaine Maxwell to coax these girls into it because she's another girl. That's what they were doing. That's who these people are. Okay. Now he wants to sit here and fame innocence. Well, guess what? Let's go back to uh, Reese's thread here and look at some more of their friends. So here's one. Vlad uh, Obzik is a war room member. Prosecutors have said Vlad, uh, whose social media platforms show pictures of him with the Tate brothers and two other suspects, recruited their alleged victims by seducing and falsely claiming to want a relationship or marriage. The victims were coerced into producing pornographic content for social media sites and suspects keeping most of the gains to ensure the victim's loyalty that they will uh, perform only to the benefit of the members of the group. They were forced to tattoo the name or face of the group member exploiting them. Prosecutors said in the statement and the Tate brothers, the two girls, they both have a tattoo on the, on their, the side of their hip below their navel. that says Tate or one of them is the Tate brand. They actually branded the other one. And that's, well, that was their initiation to be a bottom bitch and, you know, join the criminal enterprise. And that's what he did to his other cam models, too, under the guise of BDSM. A, uh, there's, there's dominant submissive. Um, and Okay, so let, let's talk through this here, have an intelligent conversation about what was going on with regards to... Um, the physical abuse. So, okay, within BDSM, you have a, a D, what's called a DS, dominant submissive relationship. The male is usually dominant, but I mean, it can be anything. Um, and the female is submissive. Now, they would have a discussion beforehand about uh, hard stops, soft stops, like things that you absolutely don't do, things that I may not like you to do. You have safe words if you need those kind of things. You talk things through beforehand. There's aftercare that goes that's involved in all this stuff. And then, but the submissive, at least in, in that sort of dynamic, can say no and disobey uh, their dominant. And then they end up getting punishment. And that's part of the whole dynamic. Okay. A level beyond that is a master-slave relationship where... The slave can't say no. Now they, this is these relationships though, they're built on a lot of trust. Uh, that takes time to establish, and you have to trust that like this person uh, is not going to ask you to do anything horrible because you can't say no. Is kind of the idea behind it. And I've talked to uh, one of the a woman that was like in this in that lifestyle for a long time. And she told me about like a dinner party with a bunch of guys sitting around the table and all the women were underneath the table and they would be given instructions and use your imagination and they can't say no. So uh, that kind of thing exists and there can be, you know, like uh, spankings and, and all kinds of different types of punishments and things that uh, different people like and that other people might object to and whatnot. Uh, there are people we've talked about like CNC that like rape fantasies of various types. And, you know, there's all sorts of things 
that people do. But that comes with a, a really an established trust that gets built over time. That comes with a lot of discussion, working out those hard stops and you never ever do this to me is kind of what you would get with a slave. Um, and sorry, let me just turn this off. Bear with me one second. There we go. Uh, and Tate's not doing that. Instead, what Tate was doing with these girls is coming in and forcing this on them without any discussion, treating them like a slave because he's manipulated them. He's lied to them, told them, oh, I heard when I was there, my friends said you worked in the sex clubs, which is a total lie. And he's bragging to his buddies in the war room. You know, one of them right here getting arrested that that's exactly what he was doing and he was using it against her so that then he could be mad at her and have an excuse to punish her and, you know, try to put her into this mindset. And there are, there's a Reddit group, like a, I think it's BDSM community uh, where you can go in and you can read stories from some of these people who, uh, you know, escaped. And that's almost how, that's how they describe it from some of these guys because they felt trapped. And that's one of the things they tell them is no, no, you, you can withdraw your consent at any time. But like what some of these unscrupulous guys would do is convince their slave that no, you're, you're not allowed to leave me. You have to stay with me until I release you. And that is, they all say, no, no, that's not true. That's not healthy. Uh, you you are in control. You can do it at any time. That's not what Tate's doing. What Tate is doing is use, under the guise of a master-slave relationship, he's using it to physically assault these women and force them into submission, bend them to his will so that he can exploit them and use them to victimize other guys for tens and hundreds and millions of dollars. That's who these people are. And they created their little club to talk about the best ways to run these hoes. And this is who Tucker Carlson's getting all gig, giggly and giddy with. Ooh. Okay, here's another one. Um, this is Andrew Tate's friend. Edward Ivan, he's a convicted child pornographer and child trafficker. This man is said to be one of Tate's mafia connections. Uh, Andrew Tate has also got himself into massive trouble. Andrew Tate, his brother, and two Romanian women have been charged with forming an organized crime group in 2021 rape and engaging in human trafficking across Romania, Britain, and the United States. Dicot announced that the Tate brothers will be facing even more charges. So that was something else that came out in the last couple of weeks. But they're still investigating them for child trafficking. And, I, and I, they're probably talking about Georgina and some other ones because he was bragging about uh, 14-year-olds in some of his videos, some of his appearances. Guy is a moron. Uh, and, of course, like they're trying to play it off as, oh, they have no case. <laughs> okay, bud. Okay. How dumb are you, bro? How dumb are you? 
Uh, let's see. So trafficking of minors, human trafficking, money laundering, and other possible charges. Here's Andrew Tate's charges, and it's a lot of the same things. He completely lied in his interview with Tucker and Candace about what they're being charged with. They're trying to sell this bullshit narrative that, uh, oh, well, it's uh, it's just, they're just, it's the Matrix. They're out to get us. <laughs> and uh, Reese is saying here, these are, these are the Ghislaine Maxwells of the Tate human trafficking case. This is supposedly his his assistant, and oh, Tate doesn't even know this other girl. Uh, Radu is a former police sub-inspector from Romania. She left her job at a police station in Bucharest to pursue a career as a cam girl and human trafficker. Nagahel is an American citizen, but was born in uh, Bu- Bucharest, Romania. She was a businesswoman before turning to human trafficking with the Tate brothers. They were arrested on December 29th, 2022, as part of an investigation into human trafficking, rape, and organized crime. So these are the two innocent girls that, oh, I feel, remember Tristan telling Tucker, I feel the worst about them. I mean, they didn't really have anything to do with this at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, turns out Tristan, weird, total coincidence here, but his ex-wife, Bianca, she's a famous Romanian TV host and a former girlfriend of Tristan Tate, Andrew Tate's brother. Coincidentally, Bianca's ex-husband, Alex Bodie, oh, he was convicted of procuring international human trafficking, blackmail, and money laundering. That's so weird. And uh, Bianca, she also dated a guy that was a human trafficker but pure coincidence because this is this is about a few tiktok pennies <laughs> oh bro okay uh romania's direct uh directorate for the investigation of organized crime and terrorism that's dicot uh, said in a statement on Tuesday that authorities had carried out raids on six properties in pursuit of a hacktivist group. So they, the, this pro Andrew group, this is his war room and his fanboys that go and organize this stuff. Six of them defaced a bunch of Romanian uh, websites and they all got arrested. Oops. And uh, here's a nice little finish out here. That's Ron Jeremy porn actor. If you didn't know, he's been in jail since I think it was 2020 in the summer of 2020 he's been found mentally incompetent to stand trial for rape uh Jeremy 69 pleaded not guilty in August 2021 to more than 30 counts of sexual assault including 12 of rape in the Los Angeles area over the 23 year period uh he, he has been in prison since then since his arrest in June of 2020 and I I know there's like reports of like forced sex at a porn shoot. I, I don't know. I, that might be what those 12 are. I don't know if it's worse than that. But uh, over here on the right, here he is, Master Poe. Now, Tate has come out, and, and it says Master Poe, Andrew Tate. He tried to deny that that was his account because, you know, he said some incriminating shit there too. Uh, but he's in a video saying Master Poe is me. So there's another lie, but there he is saying, Ron, Jeremy and I are arguing. He thinks he slept with more girls than me. War room meetings are crazy. Unprompted. Ron, Jeremy turns up. What can I say? Don't you want to be like me? 
Don't you want to be like me, hanging out with all the, with the mafia, a bunch of child traffickers, having my bottom bitches manipulate girls so I can make millions of dollars and drive around in my car and talk to you about what it means to be a real man? <laughs> Come on, bro. How fucked up is you? <laughs> to quote Eminem. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that was the most of this thread. Let me just go back through. Yes. Okay. So let's go back here. I'm going to take a piss and I'm going to do this. I have an athletic body, not jacked and improving my finances a lot. But I can't seem to find the attention of any female. I'm alone and have urges and needs as a man. That's a gay way to say it. What do you suggest? I suggest you become more important. I suggest, firstly, you don't have urges and needs because that makes you sound like you're a coward to your urges and needs. Imagine you this coward. You are in control of every aspect of your coward. life. And obviously, you're not as important as you need to be to have the things you want in life. So clearly, you need to become more important. There is no shortcut to these things. People ask me questions looking for a shortcut. And the difference between me and every other influencer is I'm not going to sit here and slam women, insult women, blame women, blame the world. I don't blame any of these things for the reason you're failing. I've always only ever taught masculine excellence because it's the only. But I guess he's okay with, uh, you know, trafficking them and abusing them mentally and physically and, and exploiting them, lying to them. <laughs> the answer I've managed to see. Get your advice here from the Tate brothers the for only $19.95. By the way. He's, he's going to have to raise the price soon. He really wants to keep it as low as possible for as long as possible because so many people need to hear this message. It's not because he's broke and he can't traffic women anymore and exploit them while scamming uh, their customers. It's not because of that. It's because he is such a shining example. Oh, what happened there? <laughs> he is such a shining example of what it means to be a man. Just ask Tucker. Or Candace Owens. The way the question was phrased, I have needs as a man, it, it's phrased very badly. And from that one line alone, I can tell there's something broken in, in your mindset and the way that you look at things. Uh, sexual access to a man is the most sacred thing that a woman can possibly give you. And you having needs as a man has nothing to do with the equation. Absolutely nothing. Is if I were sitting there in the middle of a field saying, I have needs as a man, I'm hungry. I have needs as a man, I'm starving. And I refuse to work and I refuse to plant and I refuse to plow and I refuse to farm and I refuse to grow anything. Then who gives a shit that I have needs? No one gives a shit. Women don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. And Andrew doesn't give a shit. You wouldn't talk in such a desperate way if you had a better outlook on what it is you were trying to achieve. Uh, I don't like the way your question was phrased, frankly. All right. All up from the KSA. Where's KSA? Uh, I don't know. Why do I feel KSA? KSA. Where's KSA? I don't know. Make a live stream showing the boring work you do to maintain your wealth to give a good idea of what rich men go through to stay rich. Yes. Imagine this, but me sitting on a laptop. It's this, but also on a laptop. KSA Saudi. See, this uh, is. This is a couple rich men being attacked because they're rich and successful, and this is just what it takes. It's not because they're criminals. Right. Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, correct. Thank you, bro. I can't wait to visit Saudi. We're going to come very soon. Yeah, I'll be there. Sure they are. And imagine this, but us on laptops. 
We That's work. It. We work endlessly. This is all Welcome just going to blow chairs. over. They'll be fine. Hello, my name is Cuba. Nothing Thanks for inspiring about. me and showing us how your life can look like if you work hard and become the best version of yourself. Greetings from Poland. Look forward to seeing you soon. We're in Warsaw soon, God willing. Stay strong, top G's. Keep up the strong mentality. Trust the process. It's God leading us. Hey, Kate, I'm a 16-year-old. I'm making if 20 God wants in the it, real it world. So, I I'm guess. training every day to be the best shape of my life. What do you recommend I do? Because I'm not old enough to join the war room. I guess God wanted them to help these women by exploiting them and trafficking them and physically abusing them. Yeah, that must be it, guys. That must be it. The guards were very good people. Really? Mm. I feel like the guards knew. They know what a criminal is and what a criminal isn't. I'm not going to say they knew my case. I'm not going to say they knew I was innocent. But they know what human traffickers, rapists, sexual criminals actually look like. Because they deal with them. He's lying through his so teeth. He's selling a narrative that is an absolute mm. fabrication. And he's using his image and this cigarette smoking that he does excessively five times in this interview to sell it to his brain-dead fans that don't think for themselves. That are actually a bunch of beta males who don't know even the first thing about attracting an alpha female. <laughs> there was a funny... Uh, there's somebody, some woman in the XRP community, brunette, very, very uh, pretty. She was seeing the movie Barbie, was standing in the, the doll box and fits it very well, except she's brunette and not blonde. And I made a comment about, uh, I don't think I'd leave you in the box for very long and just left it there. And of course, uh, right shortly after that, somebody comes in and writes, uh, oh, Sam, that's so cringe. Everything you say, it's so disgusting. Da, 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 da. And I replied to that with a screenshot. This is the first time I'd ever interacted with her with a screenshot of her profile showing that she now follows me. There you go. And that she liked it shortly after that. And that's because... Uh, um, like going back to the alpha female thing, being comfortable in their own skin, um, you'll find like what I find is that alpha females, uh, like it's one of my favorite uh, traits to look for in a woman. Like it ranks higher than everything else because it's somebody who knows who they are, who lives with passion. And that is, it, it's so, uh, night and day difference living or sharing space with somebody who knows who they are. They found their passion and they are on their purpose, living their mission, bringing about the change that they want to see in the world. Right. And you know, they're also generally very attractive. Why? Because they know that their vehicle that they use to accomplish this, their body is important and they honor it and they take care of it. And they generally stay in good shape, right? And a lot of them are business owners. And they're also, I know this, uh, they're very generally submissive because a lot of them are like executives, business owners. They go out and like compete in the man's world. And then they come home and they want to lighten their load and like take the world's problems off their shoulders. And, uh, 
just kind of like be told what to do really in, in all serious, not always, but a lot of them. Um, and they're also uh, generally very good in bed because again, they've gone, they've done the work to go on that self exploration to find out who they are as a sexual being. And so you'll find that's another very common trait. And that's what that tweet was about. Like she knows it. I knows it. This beta male who thought he was being a white knight had no idea. So I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, yeah, you know, like being a man, uh, it, it can, it absolutely applies to women that live there. Per- I mean, like I had a very strong mom who, Oh my gosh, she, uh, she was, she was a single mom with my brother and I, when we were two and three and she went out and I think got a job driving semi trucks. Now this was like in the late seventies, I think. And then she got a job as a, uh, clerk in the Dallas courts and she became a deputy sheriff at one point. That's where she met, uh, my dad. I'm not sure about the timeline on this, but anyway, and she was one of the first female deputy sheriffs in Dallas back in the early eighties. And she'd go surprise drunks in the bar. And she told me a story about one time they went to serve a warrant. And, uh, this was like her first outing. And the, the, sheriff's deputy that was with her was you know of course a guy and he's like connie don't zip it don't say anything i'm going to do the talking here i got this and they go and knock on the door and this really attractive girl in a t-shirt and panties answers the door and he's like um uh ma'am and he can't find his words he looks over at my mom and she's like "Mm, my lips are sealed (laughs) she lets him stumble through it for a while um, she's very much, and then she became a real estate agent, became incredibly successful doing that. And she would, uh, like she would have engineers in the car that would get, start getting stuffy and, and, uh, uptight about things. She would find a cul-de-sac and drive the car in circles until they agreed to lighten up and start laughing. <laughs> so, she, you know, she's very much, uh, I think another example of what it means to be an alpha female somebody and and she's always like her thing is counseling helping others and like counseling people and she very much i think has led a life of service i i think that that's one of the things that it means to be a leader is you do things that are bigger than yourself and you don't care about the repercussions you don't care what people think about you know your stories or how you live or who you are because you know who you are and it's based on your experiences. And I think an important aspect of that as well is to be willing to sort of reevaluate your truths, your beliefs, your thoughts, your experiences and reinterpret them, uh, especially when new evidence comes along or reevaluate other contradictory perspectives, because that's how you also grow as a man is admit that you're wrong and, learn from your mistakes and move forward and, you know, do the best that you can. So, okay. Of course, speaking of which there's this guy that's Zuby who actually used to like long time ago. And then he started doing the social media thing to get real big and blow up. And then he just became this complete 
uh, fake as far as I'm concerned. And here he is saying the word trafficking is the next to be diluted to the point of no meaning. Meanwhile, all of Epstein's clients are still running around diddling children, but people are outraged over the internet nonsense. We are not a serious society. And he's talking about the Tates there who are his buddies. Cause you know, there he is with them next to the guy in the ridiculously stupid looking tracksuit because that's what new money do- does. They go and they buy flashy things that make them look like absolute fucking clowns and they think it's cool. Because they think that they're men and this is the way men behave. And really they're just engaging in a bunch of performative masculinity because none of them are honest about who they are and what they're really doing. And they're trying to hoodwink us all with a fucking giant lie. Complete sack of shit that they'd like you to take hook, line, and sinker. That's who these people are. Okay, uh, let me see here. Let's go here. Uh, yeah, okay. Let's go here. I want to talk about something else. Here's another example of you know, the hex that I was talking about earlier. This was a video that I made a little over a year ago warning people about hex when it was 14 cents. What's happening? Well, that's the pulse. That's the, this is all the pump from pulse chain launching and people finding out There's about my it. hair shorter. That's how this goes up. When new money comes in, this was May 20, back up to uh, 20 seconds, cents. It looks like, and now back down to 11. And the price floor is zero. Would you like to own a home like this one, but can barely afford to pay? So rent? here I am. My name let me get back there. Kind of laying out uh, that this is a scam, that he's using the same exact techniques. It's like he watched the Wolf of Wall Street to come up with his game plan. And remember, he bought the addresses that were hacked off of one of the exchanges and sent everybody the mailers, the postcards. That was one of the things I pointed out in this video that I did over a year ago on hacks, warning people against it. And like, I have a. a, a friend that she's very prominent in the hex community it's a bit of a sore subject with us but you know she's an alpha i'm an alpha we are who we are and we managed to get along and just not talk about it very often but i do this because it's the right thing to do because that's what men do they stand up for people that are being taken advantage of you too can be great Welcome to crypto motherfuckers. There's my review of hex. <laughs> if you can't see what's happening, what's bound to happen with this project, you should definitely buy hex. You should stake it. You should lock it up. Fuck it. Go 15 years. Imagine how rich you're going to be. <laughs> Nailed it. Of course, what's happened? SEC's come after him because he bought $13 million in luxury goods, showing off what a what a uh, 
amazing guy he is, performative masculinity, and driving around in his fancy sports cars to draw in new money to a scam that he was cashing out on. And since this video, he's, he's, he's a target now. Of course, it's the Matrix coming after him, guys. It's because he's come up with something so genius, they just can't compete with it. That must be it, right? And uh, that's why. And now Hex is half a penny. And it's going to go lower because it's bullshit. It's, it's built on a lie. On top of a lie, on top of another lie. And as unpopular as it was for me to go against that or the Bitcoin maxis or Lightning Network, I, I don't really care. Because I want to speak my truth. That's being a man. Of course, yeah, there's the chart. <laughs> it, that little bitty green blip right there, that was the only time that it went back over from the day I made that video. And what is that hump right here? Oh, that's the launch of Pulse Chain, which, what did I say? That was his make-or-break last-ditch effort to draw in new money to try and bring in some real-world utility by replacing the Ethereum blockchain with the Pulse Chain. And, well, yeah, that uh, didn't work out so well, folks. Thank you for coming. Where is that one? Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for coming. Sure. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank you. We'll be keeping all of your, your funds that you took the second mortgage on the house out on to cover. And he says, it's an income generating asset in a negative rate environment where. So this is one of the hexagons a year ago arguing with me on why hex is not a scam. And I'm trying to get what's the real world utility. Can you tell me that? We're headed, uh, there's more, this is more important than ever, right? Because this is one of the talking points that Richard gives them is, well, I mean, the fiat's losing value, which is true, and it's moving into crypto, and so crypto's going to inflate massively in value, and therefore, that's where you need to be. And Hex is the best place to do that because it's the first certificate of deposit on the blockchain, right? Wrong. So the answer is no, you can't identify a real world problem or utility offered by Hex. And he says, oh, I just answered your question. You're not understanding it. Isn't my problem. So see, now he's starting to get a little hostile because he's given me the talking points and most people just accept the talking points. And this guy said, great, what real world problem is it solving to generate income? Where is the revenue used to pay out the profits and how are guaranteed returns offered in uncertain times? The returns are a larger number of hex. You know, that token that when he gave it to you for your Ethereum, he told you it's absolutely worthless and has no value. Looks like Richard Hart figured it out before anybody else did, apparently. I'm, I'm saying, uh, you know, Wall Street can't figure this out, but Richard Hart has. How to, how to generate guaranteed income a guaranteed return he he does in hacks of course what value might that have might go to zero again well this quickly devolved into uh no i just know you're a little nerdy bitch who gets zero pussy and then can't admit when you're wrong probably why girls don't like you and uh <laughs> so this is what happens when i try to explain why hex is a scam 
if only there were some girls who liked me and he's actually right. I'm in my forties and still a virgin. So if there's any ladies that want to help out with that. I'm such a flirt. Uh, I love flirting with the audience. Okay. So, you know, there's another great example of what it means to be a man. It means to stand up for what you believe in and speak your truth, regardless of the consequences, regardless of uh, who might get upset and who might call you a, a dorky loser who doesn't get any pussy or whatever. <laughs> oh, these people. And it's the same thing, you know, that Reese is dealing with from these Tate fanboys. They're attacking her in exactly the same way because they can't form a logical uh, argument to defeat what she's pointing out because they're just ignorant. Okay, I want to talk about uh, what's happening with X, uh, Twitter, and uh, there's this uh, Linda Yaccarino interview that she's given about censorship, and we're going to read an article from my absolute favorite Substack author, Elgato Mallow. Now, it's supposedly this masterpiece. I haven't even read all of it, but I've gone through the first couple pages, I'd say. And it's absolutely, it was, it was excellent. We're going to read that. It's going to, it's going to be a long show. So I hope y'all are enjoying it. Uh, all right. She gave this interview talking about sort of how the changes at Twitter. Let's just put it at that and play it. Staggeringly, they take it down. And that reducing that hateful content from being seen is one of the best examples how X is committed to encouraging healthy behavior online. And to encouraging healthy behavior. Well, of course, the, the, tw- the million dollar question, who defines healthy behavior? Today, I can confidently sit in front of you and say that 99 of all posted impressions are healthy. How do you define healthy, though? Is porn healthy? Are conspiracy theories healthy? Is, uh, oh, I don't know, saying the COVID-19 vaccines are absolutely deadly and they're causing an epidemic of deaths in the 0 to 24 age group, according to the CDC data, healthy? Can I share that opinion and not get toned down? Linda? You know, it goes back to my point about our success with freedom of speech. Now, the question is, what's healthy? Watch what she's going to answer. Speech, not reach. And if it's, if it is lawful, but it's awful, awful, it's extraordinarily difficult for you to see it. But how many millions of people follow? Is it awful to point out that Fauci and his crony, uh, I forget the other one, took bribes of 320, what was it, 325 million in royalties for COVID-19. So the government's paying out trillions of dollars. Remember how I described him, okay, when we went through the HIV episode? And I talked about how, which he presided over, right? And I talked about how that was a big heist for the NA. Uh, NIH or NHS, what, which NIAID, I guess, is the overall organization. 
Um, that was a big heist. They got tens of millions of dollars in the 1980s for that, for that scare, which they, you know, there's so much, so many shady things about that. And he's experimenting on minors without a, a legal guardian in some of these studies. Of course, he's got the, the whole beagle thing that came out where they're paralyzing them and letting mosquitoes eat their face. And he realized, wow, this is a good way to make a lot of money. And then COVID comes along magically, you know, definitely not a lab leak, even though the, the U.S. government's been funding its development and development of all the components that went into, that, I'm sorry, miraculously ended up in the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Just popped in there, weird, how that happened. And this time around, they get royalties, which they don't have to disclose. We're going to find out. Of $300 million, they line their pockets and funnel that government freshly printed money into their pockets to enrich themselves and their family. And it turns out, oh shit, it's deadly. Turns out remdesivir, also deadly. Turns out... They used it to manufacture the lie that there was even a pandemic in the first place. Turns out we had uh, you know, a fraction of the population, the world population, but 17%. I think it's what, like 2 3% of the world population, but 17% of the COVID deaths? Gee, did we get a different strain than the rest of the world? Or were they actually working to actively kill people? Because that's sure what the evidence shows. Is that going to be considered awful speech, Linda? Am I going to be banned and censored for telling those truths because they're inconvenient for the narrative, for your advertisers to face the reality of what they've done, which has pushed a deadly experimental poison on people that's causing them to drop dead right now? and that they don't want to be held responsible or account accountable because they're spineless cowards, just like the Tates. Think of, <laughs> I mean, I know what I gave up. It was a lot to leave YouTube with 50,000 subscribers and Twitter three times, Twitch, Spotify, The whole system is really rigged so that the people who push the narrative get the benefit. Just... Okay, so let's keep going with her. Kanye West, lawful but awful, and he's allowed back on. Now, I read Kanye's comment. It wasn't like the greatest one in the world, but is it, oh, does that make him anti-Semitic? No, that is another label. That is, you know... When the government wants to hide something and you start talking about it, they really bring out the claws. And for whatever reason, when you talk about the Jews, when you talk about the Holocaust, uh, if you try and dispute that narrative, it is a full-on attack. You've got the ADL, you've got the, uh, there's a Jewish something, I forget what it is. Of course, this is triggering keywords that they're going to come in and now target me on because that's their new system, right? 
is not to listen to all the audio, but to have an AI come in and analyze the voice, look for keywords, and then they can use it to identify the harmful, uh, sorry, distasteful, whatever it is they want to call it, whatever they want to label it, content that needs to not be seen, and they will hide it away. You know, Kanye, who hasn't rejoined the platform yet. So, I'm sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. There's a reason that that is the most taboo topic, okay? And, and it's the same reason that I have been posting COVID Holocaust, because I did a show on the Holocaust and actually looked at the definition and realized, oh, when they slaughtered 230,000 slaves in the Caribbean, sending them into those killing sugarcane fields, that was a Holocaust. When they, you know, they want us to believe that there's only one, that only the government only did this this one time, but we're in the midst of a COVID Holocaust and people don't want to retweet that and tag it because they are afraid to stand up, to have a spine, to be real men. Because this is what it takes. It takes challenging things like that, using their own words in an honest way that's truthful because that's what happened. They pushed this poison on us. People are dying in droves. I'm starting to see, you know, the, the blue hairs and uh, pride flags and pronouns liking some of my tweets, some of my exes, whatever we're supposed to call them now. I think and I'm just going to be a man about this and I'm just going to keep calling them tweets for, I'm going to hold out as long as I can. All right. Um, I don't care. I'm calling them tweets, Elon. <laughs> um, I just forgot where I was going with that. Yeah. Let's go. But is planning to do so. Um, will operate within the very specific policies that we have established that we're clear on, that everyone who's watching this or listening on spaces can access themselves. And we have an extraordinary team of people who are overseeing hands-on keyboards, monitoring all day, every day to make sure that that 99.99% of impressions remain at that number. But we also have to remember what's at the core of free expression. You might not agree with what everyone is saying. We want to make it a healthy debate. But we're just and not going to let anybody see it. But I mean, you can see it. expression at its core we just won't let anyone see will it. really, really only survive when someone you don't agree with says something you don't agree with. And what a great place we would live in if we were able to return to a healthy, constructive discourse amongst people that we don't agree with. So, so she's been asked the question, what is this undesirable speech? What's the wrong speak? In, in whatever flowery language they want to rebrand wrong speak, that's what it is. That's what it will become. It may not be that at this moment, but as we're going to see from the Elgato Mallow uh, article, and in fact, why don't we just go over there right now uh right there and okay 
So again, I'm reading this for the first time. I've only made it down a couple pages here. Uh, censorship 2.0, free speech, not free reach. So that's the whole, the big idea behind the Twitter censorship here. In my seminal Substack, now what he's talking about there is when he got kicked off of Twitter the first time he was banned like I was and thousands of others. And he said, this is a good thing. Uh, you know, you're going to see, actually, I think I got it right here. How getting canceled by Twitter made me more optimistic than ever about free speech. And he described how it's going to breathe life in all of these alternatives. And Substack is a great example of that. And look at what it's grown to become. Okay. Now, here's the problem. Substack runs on uh, Stripe. Twitter and their authentication runs on Stripe. How many of these platforms run on Stripe. Why do they run on Stripe? Well, because governments regulated it and created such a hornet's nest of rules that there are, they, they turn it into a choke point. So that there's only one or two companies. Those are easier to control than 5,000 payment processors. So let's just whittle it down to a few guys that we can control and manipulate. That's why that's, that's the goal of government here. And that's what he's pointing out. This breathes life into alternative, into new places. But again, the whole back end of this that enables it all, that makes it all possible is Stripe. So what happens when they decide, I'm sorry, remember, remember when I tried to get the Starlink satellite and I asked for donations and you guys donated the 750 or whatever to get the dish plus like a month or two's worth of service and then stripe decided <clears throat> no we're not going to allow that and send it all back <laughs> and that is why i don't have starlink elon um <laughs> uh, you know, where am i going with that but anyway okay now we've got all these alternatives that's what he was talking about there i wrote the uh, about the pressures towards an inevitability of censorship in owned informational systems that require governmental permission to operate and its endless game of meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? And everyone will always get fooled again because this sort of foolishness is not just an emergent property of the system, but from the point of view of the state, it's a feature. And that's what I'm talking about with whittling down to a few key players that they can put the levers to and push to, you know, bend to their whim. Oh, you don't want to do that. Well, I mean, we might have to open an investigation or look, you know, there might be some violations here in your bookkeeping, some irregularities that we're going to need to take a closer look at. Oh, that permit you want, you might not be able to get that. That's, they, they cannot be trusted with this power because they will abuse it to grow their own. Okay, uh, and everyone will always get fooled again because of the foolish, this sort of foolishness is not just an emergent property of the system, it's a feature. Back in March 2021, he opined, a good fairy tale has a moral, and the moral of this sad and all too common parable is this. It is easy to become that which you purport to hate. Those who conquer kingdoms by speaking truth to power are once enthroned, often the least likely to allow truth to be spoken or even near... Uh, spoken to or even nearby to them. After all, who better to understand the dangers posed to rulers by such truths than those who just use them to supplant the antecedent sovereign? 
perfect point. And the way I talk about this, there is no weight of peace. Peace is the way. The ends aren't the means. The means are the ends. That's how it actually works. You don't war your way to peace because the people who then are in charge are the warriors, right? You have to find a way to bring about peace peacefully if that's what you actually want. And I think the way that we do this is by educating people to the reality of the state. It's what Elgato Mallow does beautifully. That's what I try and do with you. And I think I, I know, in fact, there's quite a few of you that I've turned into voluntarist, anarchist, whatever, however you want to describe yourself, because y'all come out and tell me that. And I see your posts change over time as well. And some of the, <laughs> I'll leave that out, but uh, you get the idea. So let's see, by such truths to supplant and the, the sovereign. So the people who do the overthrow are not the people that you'd want to take over because their means are violence. So what are you going to get? More violence. You have to find a different way to go about it. And I think that's through education. That's what the show's about. That's why I talk to you and why I'm talking about converting some, some people in the audience to anarchists. The world exists as a reflection of what we think and believe. And when the thinking changes, the world can't help but change as a result. So I think the way to bring about the end of the state and the return, the flourishing of liberty and freedom at an individual level is to educate people as to why it's superior, as to why the state will never uh, suddenly stop being oppressive, suddenly uh, stay the right size and not uh, try and gain, garner more power and control over us, not keep adding laws and growing their budget and demanding more and more and more. They're, they have every incentive to do all those things, not to serve us. And if, you don't, if you're not willing to take that look, you're, just, you're programmed to gloss over that, to not even think about it. And if you don't do that self-exploration, when you do, I think a lot of people are shocked at what they see and very quickly begin to understand, oh, damn, he is right with some of the things he's saying. You may not agree with everything, but I think a lot of y'all see. Okay. Um, a shiny hat upon a man's head and put a shiny hat upon a man's head and watch as he becomes the very king he once condemned. From Jack to Jack Boots, and he's talking about Jack, the former CEO of Twitter, uh, in one business cycle, it's just the human nature. You cannot fix it. You cannot get smarter or more noble guys next time. There is nothing new under the sun. Why? Because government has a stranglehold on any corporation because they went and begged the government for permission to operate to exist in the first place, which puts them under the government's thumb. And then government can't, just can't help themselves but to use that thumb to push the scales in their favor. And then we end up with censorship boards. Here's a beautiful tweet in 2015 from Jack saying, Twitter stands for freedom of expression. We stand for speaking truth to power, and we stand for empowering dialogue. And think about what they did in COVID. Think about what they did over this deadly vaccine. Think about what they did over people bringing up the fraud in the elections. Because I experienced it all. None of this was true. 
may have started out that way, but guess what? The levers of government maneuvered them and uh, put their boot on their neck and turn them in and weaponize them against us, against the people. And what Elgato Malo is going to point out here is that it's, it's, we're going to see the same thing playing out. And that's why I'm pointing out Stripe. All of these new services, they're all running on the same back end. You have these same problems until we get smart enough and care enough to actually move to crypto to something that doesn't require third-party intermediaries and see that, see the value in that, the beauty in that of not having to go get permission to exchange value with somebody. That is such a fundamental and basic freedom as well as to do it anonymously without anyone else knowing but the parties involved in the transaction. That's how it should be. That's how a free society works. We don't have that. We have a bunch of fucking criminals trying desperately to hold on to their power so that they can continue exploiting us just like Andrew Tate does with the women that he manipulated and lied to and psychologically abused. Because that's exactly what the government's doing to us. When they put you in the government school and program you, condition you with bell ringing with bell ringing i'll never forget when i got in my first corporate job like what when's the bell for lunch and they're like there there's no there's no bell you just go to lunch whenever you want and i'm like oh because i had been just conditioned and controlled for so long by the ringing of bells they know this that's why education is free cheese is free in a mousetrap folks Okay, back to the article. It really does not matter what intentions one starts with or what high ideal is, ideals are espoused. In the end, reality grinds them down and sharpens them into the cutting edge of top-down governmental diktat because the regulatory state cannot be escaped by owned entities, corporations that have gone to the government and begged permission, right? That's what he's talking about. They seek profit and they never, sorry, and they seek continued existence. And when governments can step up and threaten them with the extinction by the revocation of permission, unless companies comply with their demands, it's just one big extortion racket, little different from a mobster named Jimmy the Brick selling you, uh, you know, some insurance for your store window. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you just never know what might happen around here. Sorry, I ad-libbed a little bit. Uh, the a- And after much sturm and drang about freedom and being a real and open public square, Twitter is now, is once again, losing its nerve and going dark side. The EU and the US have crowned, uh, have cowed them into acquiescence. And while I've been trying to give Elon and company the benefit of the doubt, and then some, the new evolution is here the new evolutions here are becoming clear. It's just going to be more thought police. And he's got the, the silence is settled. Uh, many, including me, have grave doubts about hiring Linda Yaccarino to run Twitter, now X. Her past and pedigree are pretty awful from a partisan and free speech standpoint. And she's been a gleeful advocate and right water carrier for both censorship and institutionalized misinformation to manipulate rather than edify. 
And this is about as bad as it gets without actually having been a banana republic propaganda minister. And one might argue, as I will, that it's worse because this is more subtle and therefore more dangerous and capable skill set. As ever, the horribly politicized Wikipedia site now shows us as much or more of what it ignores as it spends and does what it lays out. And he's got some highlights here. As Chair Yaccarino partnered with the Biden administration in 2021 to create a coronavirus vaccine campaign that featured Pope Francis. And let's, let's tap into religion to sell this lie. She also chaired the Future of Work Task Force for the World Economic Forum. So she's one of these WEF puppets that's going to push this global warming lie that we now know. And just it's, it's embarrassingly obvious that the ethical skeptic has absolutely hit it out of the park with his research over the last several years and putting his theory of the heat coming from inside the earth that is absolutely being proven out with data. And there's another perfect example of what it means to be a man. Okay, having worked for uh, Turner, then NBC, nasty bunch of communists, as, as he calls it, the stint at the WEF and the as a vax pusher for Biden, this was some pretty worrying past to drag uh, to the future of the open agora, free marketplace, right outside of the government control. And Wiki jumps right in, applying pressure about how she's somehow a Trumper and a conspiracy conspiracist and not somehow leading a lackey for partisan purpose and great resettery. Many noticed some issues when she was appointed, but it rapidly fell silent. Was, um, talking about the, <clears throat> the WEF increasingly becoming an unelected world government, Musk reassured fans that he did not see Yaccarino's link to the WEF as an impediment to his self-proclaimed commitment for, to free speech, writing of her appointments as Twitter CEO that, quote, the commitment to open source transparency and accepting a wide range of viewpoints remains unchanged. Yeah, uh, it's just now that she's going to have her advertiser things. The reason she can't explain what is awful speech, as she describes it, and, and you know needs to be hidden away, is because she's saying different things. She can't explain, well, here's the principle that it's based on, and this is what we're going to do. Because what she's telling advertisers is probably they'll never see it. So she's going to build this block list for ads to run on, and they will be separated. But I don't think she wants the advertisers to know that. She just doesn't want their content mixing in with the stuff they find objectionable. Which means, you know, the... uh side pushing the narrative the approved narrative is going to be better funded than the side that's pushing the things they don't want to hear they don't want people to know about that they want to censor and the governments are going to have the same levers leveraging against her against x to do the same thing He, the, uh, Elgato goes on. Um, yeah, sure. Pull my other paw. It plays jingle bells. This was just never credible. And it was always seemed like a matter of when, if not, if the new Twitter would once more kowtow to Leviathan in order to ensure its access survival to and lure advertisers after the ham handed failure of the Twitter verified program. It's clear Elon has no idea how to monetize this platform and is making all of the same dumb mistakes because of all of the same features of imagine failures of imagination and 
failures to understand what Twitter could really be had he the sense to create a real open access, fair field, and powerful data tools to upsell users. Instead, it's a quiet capitulation and back to ads and sucking up uh, status to be allowed to sing for its supper. It's disappointing, but not unexpected. I was really rooting for him here and wanted to see his work uh, and to thrive see this work and to thrive. But Elon was never a terribly credible champion of trust and speech. His own track record there is poor as, and his business empire is founded upon subsidy slurping, like, you know, SpaceX, everything he does gets big subsidies from the government. That's how he's really making a lot of his money. And so we land here, quote, freedom of speech, but not reach, end quote, is just a disingenuous way of saying, quote, we will decide what trends and what can be said here and what people can see. That's exactly correct. And X is now back in the truth ministry business because sure, we'll let you say it, but we'll also make sure that no one can hear it. It is just more, it's, it's, it's just a more subtle way to play the same nasty game. That's why. She's not going to answer that question ever of what's wrong speak. And what else would you expect from the denizens of Davos, which is where she is? Uh, we, this is from Linda. This is a quote from a Spaces chat she did. We've introduced a new policy called freedom of speech, not reach. Quote, if you're going to get uh, to post something that is lawful but awful, you get labeled. You get deamplified, which means it cannot be shared and it is certainly demonetized. <laughs> And he's saying one thing to consider on this call, Linda refers to a new content moderation team that Twitter never had. So she's bragging about taking censorship to an unprecedented level at X compared to Dorsey's regime. Buckle up. Yeah. They, this was the group that the, the Twitter files exposed. The, the lawyer and a couple of the, one of the tech guys that were really pushing these policies of censorship. And she's bragging here about recreating that same team. <laughs> same boss, new boss, same as the old boss, right? They did not learn their lesson during COVID. They learned that they need to play a deeper game and utilize more subtlety. Kicking people off, uh, pick, kicking people or cats off of social media platforms is crude and effective, but it's also really noticeable. People see it, they learn who is being victimized and silenced, and the very fact of being suppressed starts to stand as a validator. It uplifts uh, the deplatformed, enhancing their status and stature. Everyone wonders, hey, what did they say that was so threatening to those in power and starting to internalize they would not silence you if you were wrong, right? They're, they're coming after you because what he's saying is true. The tracer fire of outright cancellation enables us to see the true powers behind the curtain are. It lets us see what and who the regime fears because there is no sure revelator of those who rule you than the learning of who may not be criticized. And this is the whole thing with the Holocaust and calling this, you know, how many of you out there are calling, still going on about Nuremberg 2.0? Why? Because that's the safe thing to say. Stand up, be a man, call it what it is, the COVID Holocaust. Because what they've done is engaged in mass murder of their populations. And, uh, you know, we dig into the data, we see they did it to conservative states more than liberal. 
Did they ship bad batches knowingly? They lied and covered up the trials? I mean, and we find out, let me see if I can find that actually. From Fauci. Oh yeah, so there's some of the tattoos of the Tates. There's the branding of these two girls. I think those are two of the ones that were trying to escape. We'll come back to that one, maybe. Uh, Oh, that was me walking through. Nope, okay. Uh, Let's see. Let me finish up with Elgato Mallow here. Uh, Because, let's see, who may not be criticized? So, again, this is why there's there's something to it there's something there that we have you talk about the holocaust you talk about the jews oh it's immediate you're canceled come out on the attack to anyone that says that why it's a valid question right and of course this is what you know this is used as a mechanism of control to silence people to force them to kowtow to the mob because they've been so conditioned about that issue and as we went through a lot of it just yeah it was locals it was it was more of a psychological thing that just affected everybody it's crazy uh okay ever was it so ever shall it be and we adopted and learned their tricks we transformed them into maps to truth but as prey may adopt so too will predators and so the erstwhile Overt societal silencers have learned subtly over slapdown and marginalization over martyrdom. So that's their new game plan that Linda's come up with to censor and just make it so nobody can see what you're saying. So that the people who engage in right speak, they get rewarded with monetization. The people who engage in wrong speak they get punished with demonetization and nobody gets to see what they're posting. And then the government gets to come in and turn the screws, put the screws to them and weaponize it against the user base because that's what happened. It's happening again. It's where this goes, folks. So... Uh, virtual circuit breakers. Uh, that's, let me see. Welcome to the new game. Virtual circuit breakers, taxpayer funded researchers devise new stealth censorship policies, how to censor people using secret methods so that they wouldn't know they were being censored so that it wouldn't generate an outrage cycle. And so that it would be more palatable for the tech platforms who wouldn't get blowback because people wouldn't know they're being censored. Just pointing out they're adapting to all of these things. Combining interventions to reduce the spread of viral misinformation. So they've got another, I don't want to read through all of that, but um, let's see here. The targeting is so predictable as to barely warrant discussion, much less debate. It's all my side knows the truth and we need to act as a Praetorian guard for the good of everyone else. It is banal and it is repetitive, just like the people who promulgate it. Misinformation has become a pervasive feature in online discourse, resulting in increased belief in conspiracy theories. This is the 
had the censors saying this rejection of recommended public health interventions and even genocide. (laughs) Imagine the people actually engaged in genocide, actively pushing a Holocaust because they're still pushing these COVID-19 shots on people, knowing all we know today, seeing the people drop dead, even the liberals starting to come around because they've probably lost so many family members and they've had so many people tell them the truth, real men, real alpha females standing up for people and telling them the hard truths that you were lied to, that you were tricked and deceived and that you were harmed by these people. And I'm sorry. And here's some things you can do to kind of help with what they've done to you. That's about all we can do for some of these people. But now we're just going to be marginalized and silenced. Nobody will get to see me. All my view counts will just slowly drop off because I won't. I'll just stop showing up in y'all's feeds. But I'll have all the free speech, all the free speech that I want. I'll be able to come on here and do my show, and it'll just get a few hundred views because nobody will get the alerts. <laughs> and the blue check mark. Thank you, patrons. By the way, I hadn't cashed it out in a while. And I needed it. Still haven't gotten paid from the San Antonio job. Might be another month or two. Um, So I cashed that in and I subscribed to Twitter Blue. And I'm doing some other things as well. Um, Yeah, that's the, the new game. Going back to the article here. The end game is simple. They will censor you without making it obvious that they are censoring you by utilizing manipulation that is more difficult to spot. They are not even trying to hide that fact. I love to let people tell their side in their own words because so often they get so enamored of their own ideologies and presumed rectitude that they, quote, say the quiet part out loud. And it does not get much more overt than this. Truly, villains do love to monologue. And here's another little tidbit from them. The researchers who included the University of Washington's just Jevin D. West and Kate Starbird acknowledged that the new tactics like, quote, virtual circuit breakers were less detectable and used to users and the public, therefore spare social media giants, the public outcries that occurred in 2020 when stories like the Hunter Biden laptop were publicly removed from the platform. So, you know, the next big story like the Hunter Biden laptop that they're going to say is misinformation and needs the circuit breakers so that no people don't see it. That one's going to get censored because they decided that that was misinformation at the time, even though it's turned out to be absolutely true. But don't worry, they're investigating Hunter for all of this. No mention of dad, even though, you know, the big guy was getting 10% and uh, he was getting dragged into phone calls that Hunter was meeting with from, from, you know, overseas companies actually, actually selling us out to China for diamonds and Porsches and cash payments and whores. Oh, I'm sorry. And cocaine, which apparently he left some of in the White House. Shit. But dad's not getting investigated. Hunter is. (laughs) I mean, the whole thing is so ridiculous. It's such a complete joke. (sighs) 
Okay, ethical ramifications. This, uh, sorry, this approach allows platforms to consider ethical ramifications while minimizing the public relations challenges accompanying direct forms of action, they wrote. And Elgato Malaba is back here saying, ethical ramifications. What a charming euphemism for I am right and you are wrong, so we shall broke no debate. Broke no debate. And what a fine call out to the uh, Baristan ideas of contriving moral frameworks to justify and extol as virtuous the regimes of legal plunder that arise from public and private partnerships. If that's one of my quotes about legal plunder, they will, the men will um, authorize a system that, in, that enables it all. Anyway, Bastiat, I believe uh, the public private partnerships, if one may design call such comply or else, ultimatum partnerships, which is, that's exactly what they are because the government gives them permission to exist. They've taken up a monopoly over the practice of business. And if they don't like the business that you practice, they can squeeze, squeeze you out. Uh, let's see. And make no mistake. This has exceeded even mafia levels of intimidation and become something outright Soviet. And those who are doing the threatening are iron bar certain that they are righteous in new hearings in the Missouri versus Biden case about government, social driven, social media censorship are astonishing in their content. One of the judges, let's see, he's got highlighted down here. The same judge then asked Biden's lawyer if hypothetically, if matters, if the federal government knowingly censors true speech, if it disagrees with the government narrative, i.e. COVID-19, the government unabashedly said, no, we will absolutely censor the truth if it goes against the narrative that we're pushing. Let that last one sink in. It's a doozy. What must a person capable of saying such a thing in open court, no less, think of you? And it is not going to go away. This savage level of pressure from grasping states who wish to be the only ones with the loud megaphones is not going away. And you're not going to vote it out of social media. You're not going to get the right plan. You're not going to get the right people. It doesn't work. It's a flawed, dysfunctional system that has all the wrong incentives and there's no fixing it. It will never work. As long as there is an FCC or an EU internet agency or a hundred other regulatory rascals, they shall wreak rapine on upon the public square and the aborted experiments of full and unfettered dialogue and open agora will prove abortive and succumb to capture. And this brings us back to my seminal stub sack. We must go another way. Follow me to freedom. The public square is too important to be trusted to anyone, and so we must evolve to one that is owned by no one. It must become protocol, not company. See, what is he talking about? A blockchain, a distributed, no central third party alternative. This is what men do. Here's another example of a great man. He's putting forth the idea that, hey, we need to not only decentralize our money, but we need to decentralize our uh, engagement connections with other people. We need to find a way to make all of their censorship regime irrelevant by coming up with a superior solution that makes them uh, irrelevant because they can't stop it. They can't control it. Nobody can. It's the users that get to control it 
and work it. And of course, what is, what's the problem you're going to have right there? 100% is going to be, and it, it could even be government agents publishing child porn or something like that because this is what they do with Tor and then coming and raiding people's houses that run the hardware and using that to, uh, you know, under the guise of save the children, come, come in and shut down these threats to their power. That's how it works. That's how they've maintained control. That and having this oppressive giant sledgehammer and that's coming to an end as well. We're going to get into the survival books that I've referenced at the beginning of the show here and then wrap us up. Uh, but I want to get through this article here. I support the right of companies to determine their own destiny, but not of the state to make their choice for them. But is the distinction meaningful? I'd say absolutely it is. Can we really pull the fangs of this influence from the Leviathan? Because it looks like we probably cannot. And even if we do, it will be more reprieve between inclusions into our agora, meaning they'll just keep coming because they have unlimited resources, yours. They're using you to fight you. (laughs) This is too tempting a prize for authoritarians to leave alone and to give a risk for them to uh, continents tolerating as a competing power base. Your speech is their athema. Two and a half years ago, I opined Uh, asking a fickle tyranny of the majority to ensure that companies like Twitter only turn us into the right sort of product cannot be the way forward. It is instead, and that's what they were doing with the censorship, get rid of the people engaged in the wrong speak and we'll just call down to the ones that do what, what we tell them. Talk about what we decide is acceptable. A sort of awkward adolescence for the internet that needs to come to an end a larval state due to transformation into something far better and grander. The internet need not be centralized. We need not play in their agora. We can create our own and it can be everywhere. It's time for a fundamental change in architecture for more, uh, for a move from central servers to, and domain registries to a peer to peer distributed internet. And this is a move. This move is already starting. We can move uh, to decentralized protocols like IPFS that allow for a geographically distributed swarm network. This takes routing and naming and access to uh, content out of the hands of the centralized agencies. This is not only unify uh, will not only unify the internet experience through common open source protocols, but it will break down the walled gardens in which we've been held, like so many zoo animals finally leaving us free to roam the wide world as we choose. And I think it's proving out needing a company like Twitter is a vulnerability. It's damage. We need real peer-to-peer mesh networks that are strong and encrypted end-to-end from user level that will meld into the internet and social media and money in vast uh, stenographic substrate opaque to anyone who is not invited, including and especially governments. What is he talking about there? Okay. He's talking about a peer to peer internet that works on a mesh network now. And of course he's talking like a a Wi-Fi based point to point, uh, lots of different ways you can do it, but he's talking about using current technology. And I don't think it's going to come about that way. I think what's going to have to happen. And as part of this collapse, as the money fails, the bribes that they're paying to keep everybody silence, you know, the 250,000 a month or 50,000 a month, whatever, these people that used to work at S4 
and on these black projects when they can't live their lifestyle anymore because the dollar that they're getting paid in is now worthless and doesn't buy anything because it hyperinflated, they start to sell their secrets, okay? And what are some of those secrets? Well, I think one of them is going to be some kind of quantum uh, communication device, which absolutely is private, which absolutely is peer-to-peer, which doesn't require any kind of radio signals and things like that. So once that comes out, that's the leapfrog that I think we're going to need in order to get away to escape this censorship because it's literally something that they cannot stop. And what would you have? You'd have a little thing that you maybe touch to another person's device and you exchange some uh, particles, whatever they're, whatever they're using, qubits or whatever they are, uh, with other people and they can go on to exchange those with other people and you have you grow an organic communication network and you put a routing protocol on top of it and now you've got a, an indestructible, 100% private, completely secure uh, communications, peer-to-peer communication system that's not just global, uh, it's universal, meaning it works throughout the materium. That is incredibly powerful and a game changer and it's going to make government and all of their controls immediately obsolete. That's I think, is what's coming. That's what I think it's going to take to throw this uh, monster off of our backs. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Elgato Mal is going on here. It will be so ubiquitous and intertwined with money and investments that... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the other thing that he's talking about, stenographic, substrate, opaque to any who are not invited, including especially governments. He's talking about privacy coins, right? Not public blockchains, but zero-proof-based networks where you can see how much you have. You can send money to other people. Nobody knows that you sent that money. They get to see it. Nobody else can see that they received it. It's all private and anonymous. And... That's what we need, uh, an electronic digital cash, what Bitcoin was supposed to be. Now the CIAs used their levers and massage, you know, pulled their, pulled their strings, applied pressure, and they've mapped the whole thing with a public-private partnership and subpoena power and requesting records. So privacy's gone from Bitcoin. It used to, it was there in the beginning, but not now. And they're going to do the same thing with, uh, you know, anything that they can. Let's see. He goes on here. Um, the concept of censorship will, will be rendered anarchistic. Advertising and information scraping will die as a business model in the age of seamless low friction micropayments and blockers for malicious content and data intrusion. You will be free to chart your own course pick your own friends and decide in the most granular of fashions, which trade-offs suit you. The arms race uh, is already here and AI will blow it into the stratosphere. The subtlety of the information shaping and the manipulation is going to explode in a manner that will make Moore's law look more like a flat line. And we cannot win this game in walled gardens. And we so, uh, and so we will need to find another way we will, for, for we must. The manifest destiny of the World Wide Web is free people, free data, and free commerce. It's life 
without them. And this is the pressure that will drive us there. Vamanos. And uh, that was a great. Uh, yeah, I hadn't read that. Sorry if I stumbled through some of the words. I usually read it beforehand and try and take some pieces down. But I thought that was worth doing. I didn't have time to go through and prep it. So 100% agree. Like this is this is how we get there. By educating people like I'm doing, like Elgato Mal is doing, like the ethical skeptics doing, like, um, oh gosh, Jicky and uh, the Kevin McKernan and McCarran, both of those guys are doing. I mean, we have to wake people up to reality and let them and, and go beyond the whole, well, we got to get the right people or the right system or the right laws or the right bill. It's just, it's never, ever, ever going to work. And Twitter's vast, quickly becoming the same thing. And I think you just laid that out beautifully. Okay. Uh, has your opinion changed on RSR, RSV project? No, I haven't really looked at it at all. Reflect on many, great work on the video too, really makes me reflect on many aspects of my life. Yeah, it should. You know, it should because... Um, you know, one of the things that the Tate brothers talk about with regard to their performative masculinity is you raise your profile and yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have more options available when it comes to women or partners, regardless of which side you're on. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's, uh, like very rewarding. It really is. And, um, it's just a, it's, it's about living a life of purpose. And it, when you do that, I think this is what I was trying to talk about uh, earlier, but I kind of got flustered when you, when you know who you are and you follow your purpose and you live your passions and you find a way to make it all work and balance it out. Uh, you work hand in hand with higher self. And I think it opens up possibilities for you for things to just like fall in place, right? Um, and manifest in a way that they wouldn't otherwise because you're uh, walking side by side with your guide in a sense when you take this on, when you stand up and make your voice heard and try and make a difference with others in the lives of others. And, uh, you know, like I do that, um, I do that in other ways. Like we talked about the, the job in San Antonio that I worked and with the Colombian guy. So I took, and, uh, he's gone to class now and he's certified and I tried to get him into a job. I'm going to see him, I think next week. Uh, but he's killing it. I've been having discussions with him, breaking down some of the problems in the previous job. And uh, helping him understand, here's what I need you to do. Here's your role. Here's what uh, kind of processes we need to put in place to fix this. And I'm helping him grow as a person too. And it's, I think uh, it's about helping others and lifting others up along with you and looking for opportunities to reach out and make a difference in the lives of others. It's, it's such an important thing. And um, when you kind of reach that state when you when you go through that struggle and that understanding of discovering yourself and who you are um it just opens up some magical things you know like i told the story about ups uh i had this 
I think it was a rack and pinion. It was a return. I needed to send it back to, to, so that they could remanufacture it. Um, and it was like this 40 or 60 pound big bulky box that's sitting blocking the back window. And I'm, I'm driving from out here in the country into Dallas. I didn't want to haul it all the way to Dallas. I wanted to get it to UPS and let them haul it. And I'm just thinking UPS, 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 where's a UPS place. And all of a sudden this UPS turns like right in front of me. I kind of have to break a little bit. Uh, they kind of cut me off a bit and I turn in, uh, I'm like, Oh, well there, there's your UPS office. So, and I've got this package in the back. So she, the, the, the truck had turned into this business and kind of went to the back and stopped and I drove, followed and then parked beside. And it turned out to be this woman that was rather attractive. And, and I got out and I said, Hey, um, can you take a package? And she kind of looks at me funny. <laughs> and I, I tell her, no, I mean, in the back of my car, I've got a package that needs to, I think it's ready to go. Can you scan it in and take it for me? And she's like, Oh yeah, I thought you were mad at me for cutting you off. And I'm like, Oh no, no, it's fine. I was, you know, it actually worked out. And she, she we were both kind of laughing about it. And now I find out they make $170,000 a year. I should have got her number, <laughs> but like that, that's a perfect example of like just universe manifesting things, um, in a way that just doesn't, that never happened before. And I think that's probably something that a lot of alpha females, alpha males, living their purpose really experience and it is it is magical and it's something that i don't even think you can really comprehend or appreciate it's something to be experienced so there you go okay um let's see there was one more thing here that we were going to talk about i believe yes okay that is a little survival thing here and then we'll get out of here so this is a book patriots i think i've talked about it's by james wesley rawls it's kind of like a how to survive the apocalypse manual with very very practical things in it like how to do patrols how to set up an fpop i think that's like a forward uh, operating uh observation and listening posts, whatever it is. It's basically a, a spot where you can keep guard at night or, you know, 24 hours a day to look for intruders. And they talked about how to build, how to ambush a road and, you know, protect and monitor your area of people coming in and out, why you want the same kind of weapons so you can share parts and, and munitions between your squad. Uh, whereas if you have, everybody's got different guns, you can't do that. And that might end up being a deadly mistake or, uh, you know, disadvantage um so it teaches you a lot of the fundamentals and so forth well a friend of mine uh recommended this other book called one second after and i listened to that recently and it was very, I, you know i i wrote her back and said hey have you read this one patriots and if not definitely go watch it because i was only a little ways into this other one and i'm realizing yeah, this is, this is exactly like it. And it was, it was so, uh, one second after such an amazing, amazing book, definitely worth listening to lots of incredibly valuable information. And it really made it far more human, uh, and told like the psychological toll of the, this, um, 
living through a collapse. Okay. And, um, you know, so Patriots right here was about uh, a story about hyperinflation and the system breaking down, supply chain breaks down. Uh, you know, the government just kind of fades away and stops functioning. And then you get raiders and then you'd have to deal with cannibals and, uh, they deal with someone trying to come in and attack their home and take all their stuff. And, you know, all of these very, again, it's like a manual, a how-to manual of things to think about and consider to prepare for this, this eventuality, should this happen. And I think we are heading for collapse. We talked about, uh, the famine that, uh, the ethical skeptic expects to come based on the disruptions from the lockdowns and COVID and so forth and the die off as well. Um, I think it's entirely possible that we end up with a Patriot, a hyperinflation type scenario. Uh, but one second after it was a different sort of doomsday scenario as the doomsday prepper show liked to talk about. It was the EMP and um, it made some really good points that I think I want to express to you again, example of being a man is trying to tell people things that can help them um, get through this kind of thing, give the arm them with knowledge and tools to improve their situation. And so should we end up with an EMP strike? Uh, There are telltale warning signs that you should know about. And I'm going to tell you what they are in just a minute uh, that will put you ahead of the crowd. And that is so important to be in those crucial first moments is knowing what's going on and being able to know what kind of things you should be going after, what kind of things you should be procuring, what you should do to store water, store food, you know, all of these things. Um, so there's, there's two different kinds of EMP, what we think of as a disruption to the grid. Okay. The first kind is from, from the sun, so solar flare. Okay. And this, this has happened before in the 1800s, the Carantine event where they just had telegraph wires, but it was actually setting fires in the telegraph offices. Why? Because those strings of telegraph wires, like, you know, our electric grid is, has wires running everywhere above ground today. Those become giant antennas. They soak up those high energy particles from the sun and that energy that those that those particles have to go somewhere okay and that somewhere is terminating into the equipment burning up electronics and setting fires in the offices and with a solar flare it's different from an emp burst from a high altitude nuclear detonation uh it's more of like a slow burn it's a roast so the sun will spit something out and it will take days to arrive and then it will kind of as the earth rotates it will lambast the earth's surface for a couple days as it rotates around okay as it's uh facing the direction of the um solar flare it's going to be absorbing that half of the globe sorry flat earthers is going to be absorbing all of those high energy particles okay and so that's think of it more as like a roasting oven type of thing that can bring the grid down now trump He ordered billions of dollars be spent to harden the grid and protect it against this exact scenario. Biden comes in, he cancels all that. Why? Why wouldn't you want the electric grid prepared? Are you going to tell me they needed the money? They just couldn't figure out how to, how to come up with 
a few billion dollars. <laughs> Who believes that? Um, so they've, they've turned the safeguards off. Okay. And what you would see there is varying degrees of destruction, right? Like cars might still work in that scenario, but we've had X flares where the satellites get knocked out or they, or long range radio transmissions are disrupted. Uh, it, and you know, we've had this situation with the Carrington event where it was so intense, it was starting fires. Um, it just depends on the severity, but with an EMP, that's different. That is a nuclear explosion, 20, 40, hundred miles up. And it's a completely different phenomenon and it's different from a nuclear attack. And what you would do in a high altitude EMP situation is completely different from what you do in a nuclear ground strike. Okay. So this is another important distinction to understand. Should we face either of these, these, um, potential, uh, outcomes, right? In a, in a ground strike, you get the radiation, it spills out everywhere and, um, you need to, you need to take cover right away when you, if one happens near you tape up, seal up all the doors and windows as best you can stay inside for three days, try and filter the air. Don't let any air get in and out and stay inside for at least three days. That's when most of the half-life goes down and it becomes less radioactive if you can stay in until it rains, even better, because that's going to wash a lot of it away and concentrate it. But it's going to be dust on everything, and you don't want to breathe that stuff in. When you go out, have respirators and wear those. Um, however, when you get to what's, what's called an EMP, a high-altitude uh, strike, <clears throat> it's different. You don't have the radiation to even be concerned about, because what happens is this... Um, I guess it's chemical reaction where it's almost like a thunderclap, this burst of high energy particles that is line of sight. So half the globe is going to be hit with these particles. And it is like, it's this conversion process that the explosion triggers as it runs through the atmosphere. It converts it into these free electrons that is basically, um, like in okay in uh elementary school uh i i found this piece of wire on the floor that i guess the janitor left there it was about that long it had both the ends stripped and my friend mike he told me it, that i should bend it and put it in the wall socket <laughs> during choir practice which i of course i did and then <laughs> there's all of a sudden in the back of choir practice there's this big puff of smoke and then and the wire explodes <laughs> and there's bright orange copper fragments sticking out of the light socket and got called into the principal's office and she was so stunned that it, this was like one of the last days of school too she was so stunned that nobody got hurt that we didn't get hurt that she's not even going to punish me i'm like yes that's fine with me it's kind of like that. It's this thing that happens <laughs> all at once. I was a wild kid. Um, and it's going to just, boom, overload electronics, burn everything up. Like all the computers, all of the cars, right? Any cars that require modern fuel injection, that's a computer running it. So I think it's like 80s and before where you're going to get carbureted cars. 
So if you have old muscle cars and that sort of thing that run on, you know, carburetors and that sort of thing, those will still work. But what won't work is the new cars with a bunch of electronics. And that's your key dead giveaway, right? And in this, in this one second after book, um, this was one of the things that they kind of slowly figured out is the, the uh, power goes out and they just feel like, oh, okay, well, the, the, it'll be back up in a couple hours or something. And uh, then they notice, well, wait a minute, there's no noise coming from the interstate. And usually we hear that low rumble of cars from the interstate. That should have been the clue right then. That should have set the, if, if they, if you know what's happening and you know how this is going to play out because you've listened to this book, you've taken the 12 hours to listen through the audiobook, which maybe on YouTube guys, <laughs> um, you will know what kind of thing, what kind of actions you should take because the telltale signs will be the grids down. Your cell phone's not going to work. <clears throat> even though the wireless mobile networks, all the, um, the tower sites, they have a generator propane generator that will kick on and keep communications going. So usually the mobile network is still working. Even when we go into these disaster areas, unless the physical infrastructure has just been destroyed, a lot of them uh, are still working. Okay. So cell phone networks down landline networks down. There's no broadcast TV. There's no radio stations running. And there's no cars, but, and if you see some old cars still driving around, 100% bang on, you know exactly what happened. So you have about two days to go and get supplies and the things that you need, medicine and so forth, food and so forth. Of course, if you're listening to me, you've already been preparing for this. And you've, you know, during COVID, what was I telling you? I was showing you pictures of cases of canned meat and things that I bought just to have in case this kind of shit hits the fan. Not because I like it and because I eat it, but because I can survive on it. And my mom, you know, getting this freeze dryer that can freeze dry anything, meat, vegetables, whatever, meals that you cook, and you just rehydrate it and it actually comes out really good. Um, and doing that and you hear the stories of starvation because what initially comes in these types of situations is the people that are dependent on medications to live, they die because the whole infrastructure <clears throat> falls away and they die in this, in this story. This is one of the things that starts. It's just heartbreaking. I mean, I was crying through this, uh, listening to some of these parts. Uh, he goes into a nursing home where his dad is. And like some of the people went home to check on their families. Cause I mean, they got to take care of themselves too. And they never came back and there's no power and there's, you know, people that need these medications and need constant care. They can't take care of themselves. They're sitting in their own filth. They're starving. Uh, the staff are overwhelmed. It's hot. They don't have air conditioning or, you know, or maybe it's cold and it's in the middle of winter, whatever it is. And they have, some of them have family that live in other states. So nobody's coming to save them. And a lot of people just going to die. And, uh, you know, they, they, it could be 60%. It could be 90%, like six to nine in 10 of the people that you walk around and see today might not survive. That's how hard it gets, how hard it very well could get. 
Um, and so one, knowing what to do if this situation occurs and coming up with a game plan and being able to take action before the gangs form and on and on is, is incredibly valuable. What's even more valuable is becoming your own island, right? Becoming your own sort of city, um, your own government, I guess, if you want to describe it that way. Because in both of these books, what they described is real men who step up and make the hard decisions. And I mean, they are, they are heart wrenching decisions in one in Patriots. It's more of like a family compound type situation. Whereas one second after it's a group of the government officials and they, they go ahead and collect all the food and negotiate with the other towns and, it had some holes in it and so forth with how is the sewage treatment working if there's no electricity because they work on flocculation and some other processes. So like, uh, how was that happening? But they didn't answer that anyway, but you know, it, it does teach you about negotiating and in both books, there's guys, the government comes along and wants to commandeer the food, you know, so they can distribute it equitably to themselves first and then to help the other needy people or they want to take your guns or they want, you know, they need to requisition your car because it's running and you have one of the one, and we could really use that and help a lot of people with it. So we're going to have to ask you to give it to us. That's the, I mean, those are the situations that they run into, but at the same time you see uh, through the necessity of the situation that they're in, that there needs to be some kind of structure, some kind of hierarchy some way to make the tough decisions and in this book one of the one of the examples is what they did with rations by giving the people who were actually on grave detailed burying people to keep them from spreading disease that they were worried about or you know all these other things um they would give them double rations but the people who were older they were getting less of a ration, not enough calories to survive. And it's really almost a death sentence for them. But somebody had to make that decision and they had to make that decision in this book to not tell them that that's what they were doing because it would have created chaos. Um, and I think the best position that you could put yourself in is kind of almost what we've set up where there's multiple houses, families, we'd have a lot of people at our farm, as well as some of the resources and things to kind of be our own island. And I think that's the best that we can hope to do. Um, yeah. And just prepare for it. And, you know, in this, in this book, towards the end, they talk about he, he kind of gives this monologue where he's the main character, John, I believe it is, gives this monologue where he's talking about, um, excuse me, if I had only known, if I had only better prepared and had some Neosporin and some alcohol and some water filters and this and that and some of these other things, I could have uh, done so much better, been so much uh, better off getting through this with a water filter, meaning I didn't have to boil water and do, you know, go through all these hoops. So like these, these basic skills. And they also, in the story, they talk about how 
one of the things they did was go search and scavenge for old books from the 1800s before they had electronics and that sort of technology to relearn those skills. And this is another thing that my mom has done for the family is she's gone out and found books like that where uh, there are books on native plants in Texas. There are books on uh, old-fashioned home remedies. There are books on plant medicine and uh, you know things along those lines. There are books on how to uh, do a thousand and one things, I think is one of them, that are, uh, you know, like old, old knowledge of that sort of thing. And that way, you know, everybody doesn't have to know it and like learn it now. But if you get in that situation, you've got the resources to uh, not just learn that skill, but to teach it to multiple people by having them read these books. That can make such a huge difference. And, you know, with this, uh, from this San Antonio job, some of that money, uh, I'm going to take and try and put in, in, in our shop area, some solar panels and a mini split HVAC system that, uh, has a, either there's a, oh, lithium lithium polymer lipo battery that will last like 40 years. There's also iron ore or iron uh, iron Edison type batteries, nickel iron batteries that will last 100 years, but they're a little more maintenance. You have to fill them up. Something, a system like that would not take the, the farm off the grid, but it would give us an air-conditioned room in the summer works on solar panels. So when the sun's out, that's when it's hottest and that's when it's going to take the biggest draw. And if you put enough panels in, you can charge the batteries and run the system and you have a place to sit out the heat when it's 105 degrees. And I want to do the same thing with a shallow well and a pump that uh, I'm going to put the shallow well in with a water pump and take that off the grid. And these are the kinds of things that if you if you think about them now and you and you're in a good position like me where you have land out in the country away from the city uh there are some real things that you can do that you can have for as to prepare but also to trade with others um for the world that we might very well find ourselves going into and uh, you know is it going to be an EMP attack from China or Russia Maybe. I mean, you have the whole John Titter story about that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of lean more towards hyperinflation. The dollar fails and everything falls apart. Uh, and I think one of the like real contributing factors to that is the die-off from these vaccines. One of the shows that I watch is uh, all the Gold Rush shows because I love it's a harsh environment. They work like do these impossible things and have all these hiccups. It's, it's like a lot like what I do uh, with my brother doing these, running these big restoration jobs. So, and I appreciate all the heavy equipment and stuff and the, the monumental tasks that these guys go through. And I watched the, the recent, the new season of Bering Sea Gold. And there's this guy, Vern Atkinson. And I want to play a little clip. The saltiest Don in Nome. Upset about it. I'm more than damn upset about it. Vernon Atkinson's long streak of bad luck. He's was finally broken. He's got a lot of persistence, but not the best luck. I mean, he is like failed over and over and over again. 
but he just keeps at it. He's hoping to mount a comeback with every beat of his heart. With every beat of his heart. What's that foreboding? I had an attack Sunday night. They operated on me Monday. I flew up here on Tuesday. When I got here, I had a severe shortness of breath. I checked into the hospital here in Nome on Wednesday, and they found out that my damn diaphragm is not working on the right side. There was a complication with a swollen heart because of the tissue damage, pressing up against a nerve that controls my diaphragm. And so half my diaphragm doesn't work right at this moment. Doctors tell me it's gonna come back. I hope the hell it does. The main thing I gotta do is not let the stress up here get to me. Doing great and with luckily, that. Luckily, I'm pretty good at that. Hey, you wanna fight? What do you mean I don't know what I'm doing? That individual there is a sorry piece of dog crap, a gutless piece of Go ahead, come on, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, heart attack, you Yeah, 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 yeah. You little ass I don't know how. Okay, so if you didn't catch what happened, he's had a heart attack. He went in and had an ablation done, which is where they like electrocute your heart to try and reset the tissues and get everything in sync. What What is he having? He's having electrical problems, nervous system problems. What does the spike cause? Exactly that. He's And then what happened? They went in and did the ablation and now it's worse. Now half of his diaphragm isn't working. And what are the doctors telling him? Well, they don't even, they're clueless to what's even caused this. They're so busy, they can't get on the phone. He can't get them on the phone, as you're going to see here in a minute. But, I mean, they, they, they say, well, it's just, it's from tissue scarring from the ablation, and it's just pinching the nerve, and it will go back to normal, and everything will be fine. Of course, what do we know about the shots from bears? Nervous system damage is another big one. And so, it could be that they jarred some spike protein around, infected some new cells and now he's got nerve damage for the remainder of his life which i don't think is going to be very long sadly how many years i got left doing this and if i don't have a big haul this winter that might be all she wrote not for lack of effort though you know he is really all right let me go out there and see what they're doing with this contact so here they are trying so to get this longer, communication shack on a shorter longer, trailer. So the comm shack is 20 feet. I gotta go sit down. And he's having a heart attack. Uh, or he's having a arrhythmia. Uh, uh, or what he describes uh, as a, oh, sorry, AFib. My heart. Oh, I think what he's actually experiencing is tachycardia. Damn it, it's beating. 94 and then it pops up to 165 and then back to 94. Uh, here it goes again. Uh, so there's tachycardia. Guess what? Yeah, I need to talk to heart doctors what I need to do. Uh, heart doctors, they're all busy, strangely. I think I'm in worse shape now than I was before. I had the ablation. I'm not happy. So I'm trying to get this guy on the damn phone and they're not answering. They're damn hospitals are turning into death factories. I go in there, I was in pretty on, good man. shape. What is Next thing you know, I come out, I've still got the same situation with AFib and overspeeding. Plus, now I have my lung doesn't work. Overspeeding, tachycardia. <clears throat> Hello? Hi, is this Vernon? Yes. I received your many voicemails today, and I didn't appreciate your language. She 
You received your message. I didn't appreciate your language, sir. You should go to the emergency room. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate that advice, but um, He's gonna if go you don't mind, do I'd like to mining. speak to one of the doctors and see if I can. doctors are not available, I can leave them a message. We can leave them a message, but you can't talk to a Just doctor. Just so you know, I'm, I was in a bit of distress with my heart racing and AFibbing and um, I mean, is it normal to do some AFib in the healing uh, period after an ablation? It's normal within the first three months. You're still healing. There's some inflammation and the heart can go a little haywire. So going Everything will be fine. This is all normal. Well, let's, um, let's right, we don't know what's know. really causing it. Why the so heart surgeons are all so freaking out busy so bad right now. now. Well, thank but I'm you sure very it'll much. be fine. Well, yippee ki it sounds like I'm going to live for the time being. And in the season two, there's there's no mention of his team. I bet he's in the hospital. I mean, this was all played out. I think he's still alive. Um, but I don't know for how much longer. Because I think he's suffering the effects of these experimental gene transfection therapies they sold to us as COVID-19 vaccines. And uh, if you're wondering if he's vaccinated, well, actually, yeah, I'm sure he is because he's also a ship's captain. Remember how I told you a long time ago that all this stuff was going to break down, that the, the air travel is going to become much more rare, <clears throat> much more expensive. You'll have many fewer options as the pilots drop off. What are they talking about now? Pilot shortage until 20, commercial pilot shortage until 2035. What did I tell you was going to happen to shipping? It'll take longer to get your um, your container on a ship. It'll cost more. There'll be fewer options. It will further degrade the supply chain and cause more of the slow grind down, as I've been telling you guys for three years now. That is still underway and still happening and unfolding. Um. He's one of the guys that's going to bring oil to the refinery or goods from China. And he's been killed. He's been soft killed, disabled by this shot. Along with thousands of other ships, captains, just like him. This is why we're heading for famine. This is why we're heading for the collapse of society and arming yourself with knowledge of not only what to do if this happens, but how to know what to do, what things to look for to know the kind of situation that you're even in and put yourself ahead of the curve. These are really important books for you guys to watch, to, to arm yourself with knowledge and facts. You can get the paperback and then that way it's not just you that knows it, but you can share it with other people in the crisis and let them read and educate themselves. These are smart things that men do to protect them and their families and their loved ones. So, uh, and, and uh, you know, guys, um, I, th- I think there's a very, very good chance that uh, we end up at some point in a scenario like this <clears throat> through some kind of very rough transition period and i hope 
like I described in the Elgato Mallow article, that, uh, you know, we do get some of these new electronics, that, like the WebBot Cliff High has predicted for years and years, that come out because the bribe money, the U.S. dollar fails and the secrets are then unleashed. And then they get into the public's hands. And what Elgato Mallow is talking about actually becomes a reality in a way that is truly uncensorable because it's quantum. And it, and it uh, responds instantaneously regardless of distance. And it really eventually becomes a truly universal communication system. Really amazing when you think about it. And that, I think, is what it's going to take to free us from the bondage of slavery of the state. And the Tates, they're not men. They're spineless cowards who won't stand up and tell the truth. They're no example to be held up. They don't even know the first thing about being a man. They are abusive sociopaths manipulating and exploiting women and the weak and the vulnerable. Anyone who stands up and points to them as real men is a fucking idiot. And with that, (laughs) I'm Sam. I am. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Learned something. Um, I did the best I could with this. Uh, You know, there's a lot more that could be said on it, but uh, I think you get the gist of it. It's about knowing who you are, standing up for what you believe in and not giving a fuck what people think with that. I bid you good night. The more we follow the rules, the sooner we will stop the spread. And so everybody has a responsibility to follow those rules. They say it's 2021, but I ain't too sure. It feels like 1984. They've been mentally and spiritually waging war. Look where this leads, can't you see what they're aiming for? Well underestimated the capability of villainy and tyranny These sick elites are masters of trickery They're moving wickedly watching the world bleed as they feed off our misery Ah, the world's gone quite mad Yeah, the human psyche has been hijacked Propaganda bombardments, your mind is the target They want to deceive and lead us into darkness Fear is their greatest tool Fear can turn the brightest minds to fools Televised endless lies keep people terrified That's the way they maintain their rule Fear is the prison that they want us all to live in And ever since the beginning this has been their only mission Politicians cause division, they're just here to blind our vision Playing their position to distract us from their masters that are hidden I think George had a premonition Seems like it's all coming to fruition A race against time, now the clock started ticking The whole thing ends once the people have risen The only infection here is deception They fooled the whole world with PCR testing Look at all the facts they're neglecting to mention That's too many questions and you can get censored The thought police are patrolling They don't want information if they can't control it Nah, can't you see what's unfolding? 1984, George already wrote it Yeah, said we're living within all Orwell's chapters No money for homeless, but there's money to track us Tell me that ain't madness, now we're all anti-vaxxers Just cause we question and seek to find answers They want me scared for my life But nurses can find time for TikTok dances The media's a stage full of actors Manufactured psyops and distractions Big Brother is watching and plotting Hands aren't the only things that they want washing Nah 
They want everybody locked in Taking your mind hostage till you've lost it New normal Lockdowns, the band's in motion and it ain't gonna stop now You can see the plot now, it ain't even hiding A real pandemic doesn't need advertising It's an attack on our freedom Businesses destroyed for no reason Grandparents in care homes dying of loneliness Missing their families wishing that they could see them What about the patients on the waiting list who couldn't get their treatment? Look at all the havoc it's been wreaking Suicide and depression increasing Can't you see this is tearing us to pieces? I don't believe in a damn word the government is speaking They're creeping towards more control That's the true goal that they're seeking The vampires are just trying to sink their teeth in What happened to the truth? Come to think of it, what happened to the flu? And what would happen if nobody watched the news? Red pill or blue, now it's time to choose for real Be honest with yourself Do you really believe that this is about health? It's never been, take a look, it's evident The only thing that's spreading is the terror they've been peddling That mask is a muzzle Only the strong will survive in this struggle If you ain't seen the bigger picture yet Then you're just lost in the puzzle Literally got you living in a bubble The only virus in our lives is these liars and these tyrants That are trying to deny us of our rights And conspiring to annihilate the righteous The sheep can be silenced but they could never quiet The lions were rising the veil has been lifted, consciousness has shifted to a higher wisdom And we ain't gonna be victims of this system We won't be prisoners, this is the resistance